You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Matt's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Welcome to podcast number 215. I am your host, Reality Steve. Good show for you today. Very interesting. Um, we've got Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace from the Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, <laughs> Game of Roses podcast. And then um, early yesterday morning, I was contacted by Marie Bass, who's Evan Bass's ex-wife. Um, not for the first time, Marie and I have kept in touch over a couple of years, but, uh, she wanted to come on and she wanted to, she had something to say. So, uh, since nobody knows anything about Marie and, uh, Evan and their marriage, we'll, we'll, we'll start off with that, but, uh, get into why she wanted to come on in the first place. So not a whole hell of a lot to get started. As you know, we've got, um, the bachelor starting on Monday First time uh, in franchise history where we only had a week in between seasons. That was all due to the pandemic, but now we're back on a regular schedule. The Bachelor will air from January to mid-March. The Bachelorette season will start filming mid-March to beginning of May. Maybe it'll a little bit uh, end a little bit earlier because since it's going to be in a bubble again, they don't need the full seven weeks like they normally do. Uh, so maybe it even starts a week later or ends a week earlier. Either way. That's what we're looking at for Bachelorette season, and then Paradise will happen this summer, according to Robert Mills. They're going to do everything they can to make that happen. Where it's being filmed is a different story. I don't know if they're going to do Mexico or not. So that's the situation with that. Um, I should have some um, notes for you on Matt's season. I'm not going to have the episode-by-episode spoiler breakdown for his season, but you will get the episode breakdown on Monday mornings, uh, when it air, the before the episode airs, you'll get a breakdown of what happens in that episode. But in terms of laying everything out before the season, no. On Monday, I will have your episode one breakdown, but I will also give you everything that I have been told about this season up to this point, and um, you know, kind of where we're at, where I'm at with uh, with spoilers and everything. So uh, expect that on Monday along with uh, what you what you expect what you can expect to see in in Monday's episode of The Bachelor season number 25 crazy 16 bachelorettes and our 25th bachelor 41 seasons now and still going strong we talk about a lot of that coming up on this podcast with Game of Roses people with Chad and Lizzie and uh, just a lot of stuff. I mean, Chad and Lizzie's podcast itself is an hour and 40 minutes. So get ready. And then the uh, conversation with Marie Bass is about 30 minutes. But, uh, yeah, so much stuff to go over. We we talk about what happened on their podcast this week. And then we talk about the Tasha season with Claire. And we talk about the contestants. We talk about the game format of the show. We talk about the rumor with Chris Harrison. And, oh, my gosh, he's moving to Texas. What does this mean? And then we get into a little bit of Dale's season. But a lot of talk about the game aspect of it because that's where they come from. That's how they view this show. And um, just so much fun talking to them. I love talking to them. They will be frequent guests on this podcast. I can tell you that right now. Uh, Probably have them on at the end of the season to go over everything. So 
Um, and then after that, like I said, Marie Bass, Evan Bass's uh, ex-wife is coming on the podcast. As you know, Evan and Carly uh, just recently announced uh, that they're that they split up. There's there's more to what is being reported, and Marie wants to say a few things, so you'll hear that. But coming up first, here we are, Game of Roses podcast with Chad and Lizzie, episode number two fifteen. All right, let's bring them in right now. Uh, they are from the Game of Roses podcast. It's Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace, or maybe as you know them better, Bachelor Clues Pace Case guys. Thanks for joining me again. Thank thanks for, for having us. Um, interesting week for you to say the least. Uh, <laughs> earlier this week on Tuesday, you guys released a podcast where Chad, well, I, I had to, I, I guess everyone tell everyone he was Chad. I, the whole podcast, uh, is, was released on Tuesday. If you want to go listen to it, go ahead. Um, for those that are unaware, I don't want to dive into every aspect of it, but Chad, in your best words, Describe exactly what happened this week and why you felt the need to dedicate uh, a whole podcast to it. I made a meme earlier last week, I believe, or maybe earlier this week, uh, just about something Zach Clark had posted. That meme was then reposted on Reddit, and somewhere in that Reddit thread, there started a conversation that included a link to some of the books that I have written early in my career and some of the media coverage of those books. And this conversation kind of started to spiral into questioning why I was hiding behind a Bachelor Clues moniker, because the content of these books certainly is not for everyone. It was controversial when it came out and remains to be controversial to this day. Uh, But I felt like it was necessary to just kind of come out and answer some of these questions because it was never like I was hiding behind a moniker or anything. And we address all of this in our episode on Tuesday, which anyone is free to go listen to. We encourage people to do so. It's just called felt- Bachelor Clues is Chad Colton. Yeah. And I felt that there were some important things that needed to be said, not only about who I am and the fact that we have never really been attempting to hide who my true identity is. We've mentioned it several times on the podcast. It was just kind of a joke to us that we would call each other by our Instagram handles. But even beyond that, I felt it was important to apologize for some of the marketing that was done around these books early in my career. And I apologize to Lizzie for, um, you know, being forced to have this conversation with me. But I just wanted to kind of clear the air. Not not forced, for the record. (laughs) I volunteered. (laughs) She volunteered, but she was even put in a position where, you know, she felt it was necessary to do. And I appreciate that an immense amount. And we really just wanted to, you know, have a conversation about all the things that were being said in not only the uh, Reddit thread, but in our Facebook group, and hopefully help people, you know, feel a little bit better about it all. I cannot believe a thread on Reddit ended up uh, being a topic. The echo chamber of negativity is what they're, is what I refer to them as, because that's what basically they are. Um, nothing on no, there I'm ever thinking. gets, uh, it's, Whatever. People, though, and the reactions are valid to this stuff. And I don't want to discount anyone's reaction to anything, really. I mean, that's truly why we did the podcast is because, you know, some people do have certain attitudes about threads or whatever's yeah. going on online. But, you know, to us, it's like these are people who listen to our show, which means they kind of view the, the game in the same way we do. And we do care about 
how they feel and what they think and uh, any reaction they might have to anything that we've done, even in this case, 20 years ago. Um, you know, yes, yeah, I was happy to have the conversation. Honestly, I listened to your podcast uh, on Tuesday. I listened to that one and you know, I, I understand why you took the time to say what you did. Um, mm-hmm. But my thing is coming from that echo chamber of negativity that they are, it's a very pile on mentality over there where one thing says some, somebody says something, everybody else agrees with it piles on. And that person is now canceled. And that's where I had my issue was the fact that they can have their opinions about what you wrote 20 years ago, but to relate it to you today and to basically try and cancel you and call you out for quote unquote hiding behind a podcast, which you never did. That was my issue with the whole thing. I'm like, this is, this is exactly what they do. That's why they are what they are. They're a, they're an echo chamber of negativity because there's so much negativity spread on the things that I have seen written about me, things that I have seen written about the contestants on this show, what I saw you guys address. Um, it's just, I, but you know, just me saying that will now spark a whole other thread about reality. Right. Steve just called us the echo chamber of negativity and everyone will now pile on me because of that, because they have nothing better going on in their lives apparently than to go on a message board every day and talk about me. So that's my issue. Yeah. They tried to cancel you over something you did 20 years ago. It's like, come on now, people. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, there's not really like, I didn't take it as an attempt at being canceled or anything. And I'm not even sure if I agree with the, the premise that anyone can be canceled. To me, it's just a, a conversation. They, you know, people saw these things pop up. They felt like it was um, some new information, some revelatory bit of info that they found online. Yeah. And we just wanted to explain that, like, that is not the case. We've been very open about my identity. And here, yes, I did do some other creative projects uh, in my past before Game of Roses, but now we're doing Game of Roses and our audience is important to us. And we just wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody knew kind of the details of it all and where we stand now and where our creative interests are being focused, which is on this kind of coverage of the Bachelor as sport. I think one of the interesting things that you mentioned on Tuesday in the podcast was what you wrote 20 years ago. Um, I, just briefly explain the, the books that people were referring to. The books that I've written are The Average American Male, The Lie, The Average American Marriage, Men, Women, and Children, which was turned into a movie uh, directed by an Oscar-nominated director. It has Adam Sandler and Jennifer Garner in it. And uh, most recently, Strange Animals was the last book that I published. And those early books were focused Mm. on written through the mind of a 25-year-old male at the time, correct? So it was a lot of pro-male jokes, probably a lot of anti-female stuff written in them. I didn't read the books, but I'm just... (laughs) <laughs> judging judging from what you talked about on Tuesday, that's the impression I got. But I thought the interesting thing that you said on Tuesday was the fact that that was your life at the time. You were a 25-year-old guy who didn't hang around women at the time. You didn't have a lot of female friends at the time. Your job was, you know, coming home, watching TV, and playing video games. And so that was your environment, so that's what you wrote about. It doesn't necessarily mean here we are 20 years later and – that's what you still believe. 
Sure. And all those books are novels. I mean, they're all completely fiction. Yes, some of them, Average American Male, the first book, is written from a first-person, present-tense perspective, similar to American Psycho. So it does kind of put you in the mind of this character. And I can see how, on a cursory glance, without reading the book or doing much more research into it, just kind of cherry-picking quotes out of it, might give you the impression that this is like an autobiography, but it is not. It is a work of fiction. And the other books after that are, I don't think... Maybe one or two of them. I can't remember which ones were written in first person, present tense. Some of them are, but uh, some of them are not. Some of them are third person, omniscient, whatever. So they're more kind of what a person might expect a novel to be. But um, I mean, yeah, they all deal with kind of controversial topics. Men, Women and Children was about the effect of the Internet on the incoming generation of 13 and 14 year old junior high kids in a small town in Nebraska. And that was written before Instagram, before Facebook, really, kind of when Tumblr first started becoming a thing. So maybe Facebook was out, but it was kind of about these kids and how their parents don't really understand that generation, who are now millennial, uh, are completely affected by the Internet and live entirely on the Internet. And their parents, who are Gen Xers and baby boomers, will never have that perspective, never be able to understand it. So, I mean, I've always been kind of dealing with these things in one way or another, I suppose, but... Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's like I said, if, if you want to go listen to the podcast on Tuesday, check it out on the Game of Roses podcast. Um, you guys cover it all exactly the issues that were brought up. Um, but I, I, I guess, like I said, my thing was you guys never did try and hide behind uh, who you were. You just, it was kind of a funny thing where you just started calling each other by your Instagram handles. Um, even the first time you guys were on with me, I even mentioned, we, we talked about briefly. Um, bad judge and or we might not have said the tv show by name but that you were a writer uh for television um it was a, a one quick google search could easily find uh your name and your past and what you did uh kind of like how if you googled Tasha adams ex-husband you could easily find who josh burrell was um, <laughs> right <laughs> and all the stuff that i dealt with with that so um yeah i mean it there was never any hiding from you guys that's what i didn't understand why this became such a thing i didn't I didn't get it. But then again, I don't understand yeah. a lot of things that happen. I mean, I think we there. can't like expect that everyone has has taken in our whole body of work, you know, and <laughs> listened to every episode. Um, it is. I think it is so funny that we call people by their Instagram handles because it is how we measure people's success in the game. We always talk about Deanie Babies and Baylock Eye and <laughs> stuff like that. Just definitely meant to be a lighthearted joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Go listen to it on on Tuesday for those that, uh, want to know what this first 10 minutes was about. Um, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences 
each day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to move on to the seasons at hand, the one we just completed, the one that just starts next week, which is kind of fascinating just in general for me and even, I guess, as a viewer in the fact that COVID has given us something that we've never had before in the history of this franchise, which is a one-week break in between seasons. I mean, this is um, – they've kept the same schedule for Bachelor, uh, but everything got pushed back this summer, which is why they crammed everything in right before Matt's season aired. So, yeah, we get a one-week break uh, in this franchise with Matt's season starting on Monday. However, there is something that happened within the last 24 hours that I got to believe had both of your hearts skipping a couple beats – and that is this report that Dark Lord Harrison might, might be leaving the show and he's moving to Austin. He's going to bring Lauren Zima with him and they're going to live on a ranch in Austin. Oh, my God, is he going to host the show anymore? Oh, my God. Tell me when you saw that story that you did not just freak out. Was he? I mean, I to me, I was like, doesn't he already have multiple houses? I feel like. It doesn't really matter where he lives. He's just going to come crash the quarantine wherever from wherever. But um, I know he has always said, you know, he loves Texas and maybe we can shoot there because they know how to do things right. Unlike California. So I'm not surprised at, at this move at all. <laughs> but yeah, I never... I'm curious. I am curious if it is the, it is the, uh, the first warning signal that, that he is going to be slowly leaving. The retirement begins. I don't think so. I cannot imagine him leaving the show, especially not now. I don't think he would leave it in this strange, chaotic time where these seasons are backed against each other. I heard Rob Mills on another podcast that they already have their location for the next Bachelorette, and it's also going to be a bubble season. I don't think he wants to leave while it's like this. I think he wants to leave on a high note, like best season ever, back mm-hmm. to the in the mansion if he's going to leave it all in the next 10 years i could also see him doing this until he's 60 you know i i was under no possible illusion that he was about to leave the show when i read that i was just like this is bullshit yeah tmz came out with an article almost immediately that was like no he said he's not leaving the show the show said he's not leaving the show etc etc yeah and and you know trust me once the once the story hit yesterday that he was buying property and, and whatnot in, in Austin and thinking of moving out there immediately. A lot of people sent it to me as Chris Harrison quitting and stuff like that. And, you know, I've always said, I don't think, you know, people have said, are they grooming Wells? Are they grooming Ben Higgins? Oh, Jojo hosted a couple rose ceremonies. Is she going to be the next host? My thinking has always been as long as this show is on the air, Chris Harrison is the host. I don't think, it's very much a very it's very much like the Jeff Probe situation with Survivor. I just think when this show ends is when he ends. I don't think this show will ever be on the air without him. Um, hmm. I, that's my impression that I've always gotten. I, I guess it could be wrong. Maybe they will have a new host at the end. I don't. 
I just don't I feel see like it. the show will outlive us. I've always thought that. <laughs> Steve, do you think he's moving to be closer to you? <laughs> yeah. I think, well, Austin isn't really that close. Not for not. not <laughs> oh, I mean, we're in the same state, I guess. Uh, but I think, I think the more interesting thing was immediately people jumping to the conclusion because all the story said was Chris Harrison was moving to Austin. It didn't say Chris Harrison is moving to Austin and he's leaving the show. It was reports are he's moving to Austin. It's like, okay, you, you realize that the bachelor only films twice a year uh, for about seven weeks at a time. And then bachelor in paradise films for roughly three weeks. He's allowed mm-hmm. to live somewhere that his show doesn't <laughs> film. Like it, I didn't, I didn't even understand why people took that, leap of um logic i guess I, I it didn't make any sense to me why immediately it was oh he must be leaving the show i never thought that for a second i feel like that's a testament to how the show is filmed that most people don't know the production schedule they don't realize how little of the year it actually takes up yeah for sure or that like he's not living at nema colon when they're shooting matt james season he doesn't move to mexico and like buy a house there and make that his permanent residence when they do by BIP. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, he obviously stayed at Nanacolon the whole time he was there, um, but, but he's not living, yeah, he's not living in Farmington, Pennsylvania for seven weeks. He's living in the resort where they were. I don't think he was flying out in and out of Nanacolon. I mean, he had to for La Quinta because he had to move his kid yeah. into, into college. He left once, and that's why JoJo came in. But, yeah, the whole thing when it came up yesterday, just I was like, oh, perfect timing because – <laughs> dark dark lord harrison leaving this show would have game of roses podcast up and like i don't even know what you would do with yourselves if dark lord there, left the show. there'll be a new dark lord i think like lizzie said the game's gonna outlive us i truly see it as like the nfl and the dark lord is kind of like the commissioner of the sport at this point he's obviously on camera more than the commissioner of the nfl but to me that role is the whoever the host is it is interchangeable and it will be a weird transition for whoever's going to replace him but someone will in the next 20 years probably yeah i guess i guess i've always thought that this show is just going to be like we've had a great run we're done whether they get to a nice round number season 50 which is another mm-hmm. 8 seasons away another 5 year 4 or 5 years mm-hmm. um or i just I, it, it's just so hard to predict it? Who makes that decision to say, like, well, this is a show that makes us $100 million a year, all told, in advertising revenue. Let's just get rid of that. Because yeah. at this point, there aren't, like, it's not like a sitcom where actors are like, well, I've been playing this character for 10 years. It's time to hang it up. There isn't that kind of, like, person who can be tired of the show. Mike Fleiss would be that person, and he's already that person. He doesn't do a lot on the show. He has his name on it, and he gets his checks. But the producers are kind of a rotating cast of people. That's always being recycled. So people do come in and move on. It's like the the format of the show is what's going to persevere, I think. And as long as you can have the production entity around it kind of recycling fresh blood all the time, I think it goes forever. No, I think Mike Fleiss is, is heavily involved. I think he is the one who's responsible for all the scooters. He's, he's grabbing all of them, bringing them in. He's <laughs> a scooter guy. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought that it was, I guess my thinking was more along the lines of Fleiss and his team of the higher-up production is pretty much the same, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and that those people are just like, we've had a great run we're done. And I understand the money aspect of it because it's very cheap to make. Everything is pretty much done on trade. 
and it just brings in numerous amounts of money in the women 18 to 54 demographic. It wins it's wins its two hours every Monday night. So why would you get rid of it other than maybe we just don't know where television is going in the next five to ten years and it's just something changes where a show like this isn't necessarily needed on a network schedule anymore and maybe it becomes an online show. Maybe it's something like oh, that. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for sure it leaves network for sure. Yeah. That's going to happen in the next five years, I think. Yeah. If it leaves network, that's where I can see that's where I can see the Dark Lord maybe leaving. Once he's off right. network TV and he's like, I'm not an online guy. I'm Dark Lord I Harrison. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. I could totally see that. That would make more sense. That's that's how he leaves yeah. if once the show gets pushed off network television. Okay. I think we're in the same boat there. Yeah. Um you know, the other way, other thing I want to talk about along those same lines is someone who's become such a major player in this franchise because of what she does and because of who she's dating, and that's Lauren Zima. I'm just kind of fascinated by her career arc right now. Um I, it, is it weird to you at all that the number one coverage person for this show for entertainment tonight is someone that has her own online show about it. They put it on ET. She gets to interview the contestants right away. Happens to be the girlfriend of the host of this show. Like there's clearly no way that Lauren Zima can be objective when covering the show when the guy that she's been dating for two years and probably going to get engaged to, I would think it's happening soon. That's just a guess on my part, but probably I haven't heard anything, but probably Ooh, happening. Spoiler soon. alert. No, it's just a complete guess <laughs> on my part, but is it, it, is it just weird to me? Am I the only one that's seeing that this is totally weird and just something off about it? Chad, please back me up here. Well, I mean, I, I think it's like, you know, entertainment tonight, extra, any of these, types of shows they're not doing like hardcore journalism about any of this stuff yeah they're presenting whatever the networks want them to present they're essentially just advertisements for that media and that's literally what she is for the bachelor yes she has these interviews with people and specifically with chris harrison um where she is sometimes asking questions that are like the bigger questions and whatever's going on in the bachelor world about quarantining maybe or is I remember when she did an interview with him and she's like, but Tasha's the bachelorette, right? And he's like, I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. I haven't heard that. So that interview made me feel show. crazy. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like she can't cover the show objectively when we know that she she knows way more than she presents, but pretends that yeah. she doesn't. Like, that's what I don't get. I, don't I want to know what I want to know what's going on with relationships. The podcast that was supposed to be launched and then hasn't and when when will we see it yeah so that whole thing came down that lauren announced i'm releasing a podcast beginning of december it's called relationships where we drink wine i guess and talk about relationships and then someone called her out on instagram for stealing the title and the graphics or what what exactly was that you guys covered this in one of your podcasts it was exactly that a black a female black podcast host was like you stole my whole concept of the show and also the art and the art is very similar i mean but it's like it also is a show talking about relationships and drinking wine i imagine that's like 50 percent of podcasts um but yeah she apparently was scrapping the whole thing the whole title doing a rebrand but haven't heard any update on it i thought she was announcing that she had a new so she hasn't said anything about relation sips 
Well, she changed it. She did make a brief announcement saying she's changing the title to Relations, I believe. And then it was still supposed to come out, if I'm remembering right, this may be inaccurate to some degree, but I think that was supposed to come out on December 4th, that uh, podcast, and it never did. So, And she did a whole, she did a whole circuit of going on other podcasts, which presumably was meant to promote her podcast, but. And that's when this lady called her out for, so, so, okay. So what is your opinion? Do you think that Lauren Zima knew that there was another podcast out there called Relationships and didn't care? Or do you think that she named her podcast Relationships and had no idea and it was just, she should have looked at uh, that up before she named it. I just feel like you Google whether there is a podcast by the same title when you make a podcast, but I don't know We're when we Google game of roses, you know, nothing came up, but maybe if you have so much other shit going on, you're just depending on, you know, your support staff to figure that kind of stuff out. I think they came up with the name independently, her and her team. They Googled it. I think they saw there was another relationships and we're just kind of like, well, fuck it. Our thing is going to be different. It's Lauren Zima. It's fine. We can run with this. Not realizing that they would then be called out for it. And now she has to kind of rethink how she's going to brand it. But I totally agree with you in terms of considering her to be an objective reporter on anything regarding the bachelor. You simply cannot because she really at this point is just a marketing mouthpiece for the show. Yeah. I mean, and I guess it works for E.T., because it's not like they're hiding the fact that, I mean, I don't know. I don't see him any of her ET reports. So I don't know if she openly says my boyfriend, Chris Harrison, I doubt she introduces him like that when she interviews right. him. But I mean, any interview that she does with Chris, any interview that she does with a contestant, we, we kind of already know that she knows more than she's letting on in those interviews. And when she teases yeah. something, when she talks about something on her roses and Rose, I think it, isn't it just like, okay, while we can sit here and enjoy what you're saying on Roses and Rosé, you're not giving us the full story and you are never going to say anything really negative about this show because how can she? She's dating the host. <laughs> there's there's exactly. zero objectivity there. She never will. She really, to me, is just an extension of the show in the same way that the show never tells us the actual truth of what's going on. And in fact, the producers are doing all they can to maintain the lie that these people are there really just looking for love and the producers certainly aren't trying to sabotage any of these relationships in the same way that lie holds true for the show. She kind of maintains the same thing that like, I'm just a reporter trying to get straight answers from the host of the show. And it's like, clearly that is not the case, <laughs> but all of that <laughs> entertainment reporting. I mean, that's been a thing forever. Like entertainment tonight has never been in the business of doing hardcore journalism that gets to the deepest, darkest parts of any of our favorite shows or movies. They're just basically doing commercials for those shows and movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, by the way, by the way, it should be clear. Like, I think she does a really good job at what she is doing. For me, I don't want to watch a show where I can't really believe anything they're saying, but it's very popular. And I think her podcast will do very well. Absolutely. And she's good. Like, she's fantastic yeah. on camera. Whether or not she is getting to the bottom of things and all that shit to me is kind of a side issue. It's like she found this thing. She carved this niche out for herself. She kind yeah. of just forced her way into the bachelor world. And she now exists at one of the top echelons of that pyramid. Whatever she's doing, congratulations. It's fucking working, you know? Yeah. Isn't Roses and Rosé part of E.T. now? It's not just an online show. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know what she has done with it. Isn't it just a recap of the episode and then maybe an interview with maybe a contestant? I don't, I don't want, like, what is her, what is Rosa and Rose doing now? Has it evolved at all? Yeah, I've only watched clips, but she's very expressive and has comedic timing. Okay. And you know the pinnacle of bachelor journalism is that you get to date Chris Harrison at the end, so something we all can aspire to. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the dark. I mean, just the fact that she gets to be in the presence of the Dark Lord at the end of every night, I guess. Um, uh, it just—it's got to be fascinating. Um, yeah, it's just. It's just crazy how her career has taken her from just someone who covered the show for an entertainment site where she got to, you know, show up to one of the early group dates of the season, interview some contestants and gets to, gets to run those interviews two or, two or three months later <clears throat> to where she is now. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess it's just I guess if you're looking for objectivity, you're just that's the, the main thing to take It's just you're not going to get it out of, out of that. But then again, like you said, Chad entertainment shows aren't really they're, uh, all they're doing is cheerleading for the things that they're covering anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's... Steve, you're a huge ratings guy. Though. Yeah. What did you think about the ratings for the end of Tasha's season? I, I was really I, like, I was surprised, but then I wasn't, I guess I was more surprised that the finale just didn't have a giant uptick in it as mm-hmm. every finale does from the premiere episode. I mean, looking at it right now, Episode four was the Claire and Dale engagement that drew 5.3 million and a 1.5 rating. We got Tasha at the end of that, but that was a Claire Dale episode. Tasha took over yeah. officially episode five, which was 5.4 million and a 1.6, which was the highest rated show of the season. But then you went from that episode five, you went 4.4 million, 4.25, 4.1, 4.1, 3.8, 4.25, and 5.2. So, it's like it dipped and then it got back to its original number for the finale. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard because I, I'm not going to sit here and say her season was terrible because I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think she was terrible at all. I think there were a lot of factors involved. I think COVID fatigue is one. I think the fact mm-hmm. that it's airing, it aired over basically two holidays, even though it ended the week of Christmas. It's just not a time where people are consuming television. And then thirdly, Ratings, yeah. ratings are just down across the board on network television. I mean, streaming is yep. is starting to take over now, and ratings on network television outside of you know NFL football and live sporting events, every show is down. I I, I looked at the ratings last week because I was like, what is the highest rated show on TV? I had no idea what the highest rated show on TV. So I looked for the week of December, the week before. Um, so it was like the fifteenth, the week of December fifteenth, the highest rated show on television was 60 minutes, and it drew 11 million people. Wow. In the heyday hmm. of television, before streaming, and when it was basically the ba- the way to watch your shows was the four major networks, you know, American Idol was drawing 35 million people a week. I mean, it was just... We, oh, my there, God. There's nothing even close to that. It, television is just... you. It's comparing apples to oranges now yeah. to talk about network television ratings versus what they were, God, even 10 years ago. I mean, 2005. Yeah. I mean, it just... You can't. When American Idol was in its heyday of Carrie Underwood, Taylor Hicks, that four or five, seasons four, five, and six, they were drawing 35 million people a week and a rating over, I think, three. I mean, that is unheard of 
in network television now, and now you're telling me that 60 Minutes, which has been on the air for 50 fucking years, I guess, um, <laughs> is the is the most watched show on network television? Really? I mean, it just shows you people just yeah. aren't watching network TV anymore. But for this, for Tasha, even though the even though the finale basically drew what her first episode did. 5.2 million for a reality show that's been on for 40 seasons and a 1.3 rating. ABC is happy as clams with that. I mean, they're not absolutely. About that. It was winning its night, like you said. I would also say though that part of the reason I think the ratings were down was because of the fractured narrative structure. Usually, when we tune into these shows, we are tuning into a 10-round game where we get to watch these players compete in a survivor-esque game of attrition. That got interrupted in episode four when Claire leaves, and it kind of gets reset. So any of the dramatic build that you have for any of these players to see, like, who's your favorite? Who's going to make it to the end? Who do you want to see or wind up with? That whole thing, all the gas gets taken out of that jump <laughs> in episode four, and you got to restart it. And I think that that had an impact on the viewing audience in terms of their investment in what they were going to watch for the back half of it. Yeah, yeah. Clues had Blake Moynes going all the way, becoming crown. <laughs> <laughs> Got off at the knees. <laughs> well, I also think that, like you said, I, and I think Robert Mills uh, addressed this in the podcast that he was on this week with Julia Littman. Is is that the podcast you were referring to when you mentioned Mills earlier, Chad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I listen to that as well because I'm I'm always interested in hearing what Mills has. I, I like hearing him speak about the show. More so than Chris. Granted, he doesn't give you much, but he'll give you morsels here and there. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I, he he did mention the fact that when Tasha took over, if you were to fast forward and know who her final four guys were, none of those final four guys were even remotely shown during Claire's season. You didn't see much of Brendan or Zach. Mm-hmm. None of them had formed a connection with Claire. Uh, Ivan. These guys were all nobodies when Tasha well, took over. So they had no one, the audience didn't have much of an investment into those four. But that was what the producers presented to us. Yeah. We have received information that claims, uh, and I forget where this came from because we get so much inundated with it. But um, Zach had a conversation with Tasha on the night Cl- that she had the um, you mean Claire? With Joseph. Sorry. Yeah, it was Claire. Zach had a conversation with Claire the night that she got into the argument with Yosef and they only showed Dale showing up to be the shoulder to cry on, but Zach actually had a very long conversation with her that night as well. Yeah, I, that makes sense. And I, and I know that others did come to her defense. Um, I had heard the same stuff as well, that it was a pile on mentality from the guys on Yosef and they all ended up backing Claire on that and we're all sticking up for her. But what do they show us? They show us Dale coming to her rescue, which, right. which I get why they did, but <laughs> there was more, there was more to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think they cut. I feel like someone told me this that they cut her Claire making out with Ben, even though they had shown us that he had set up this little mini date where he did this carnival game where one of them was like first kiss, but we didn't see them kiss. That's right. That was in the promos, right? We saw that. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a. It was. Yeah, I think they wanted to keep the men clean for, for Tasha. For Tasha. Yeah. I mean they just well, I mean, when you think about it, she had two one on one dates that we saw, Claire. She had Jason, which went rather well. And then she had her one <laughs> and then she went on her one on one with um uh the other Zach, which ended up being a disaster. She didn't even show up for the nighttime portion of it. 
And, oh God, I've, I already blocked that out. Yeah, so <laughs> that was those that were her was only yeah. those were her only two one on ones. Everything else was a group date. She had four group dates and two one on ones, and then you had her final quote one on one with Dale, where they you know danced to the you know the private concert date. But I mean that wasn't. I mean the the outcome was already determined at that point. That was a bonus. Let's give them a date, but um. Because it wasn't like, here's a date card. Dale's getting it today. And it was just, you know, out of the, the normal game form of how Claire and Dale had their date. But yeah, she had two one-on-one dates. And on those group dates, there wasn't many people that, I don't know, stuck out to me. I can't even remember who got the group date roses. I think Dale got one. and um, Claire she, gave one to herself. She gave one, yeah. She, or she gave, and she, one, yeah, one she gave, no, gave out to nobody. Um, I can't even remember who got group date roses. So yeah, it was definitely... Two completely different seasons. So let's, we all know um, Claire and Dale um, have made it out. They either Claire, Claire is either in New York or Dale is in Sacramento um, on their Instagrams. I mean, they've spent tons of time together post show. So it seems like things are going well for them. Um, your impressions we, of the finale and how it broke down. If you want to start with Claire and Dale, go ahead. But uh, Lizzie, start with you. Claire and Dale, your thoughts, and then get to, I guess, the ending of Tasha's season and how she broke it down. We were talking about what the biggest takeaways were for us from this season, and we both agreed that our number one was Dale Moss because we are living in this Instagram era of the game, and the fact that he did this incredibly strong preseason play his instagram was absolutely perfect we predicted he would get the final rose based on his preseason play basically and then claire basically admits yeah maybe they weren't cybering but she was watching his instagram stories every day yeah he and it's something we talk about a lot on our podcast is about this parasocial game where you're talking to the camera and people feel like they know you and the fact that she fell in love with him just from instagram it's and it's you know this very rare circumstance where this could have happened where production was pushed and she already knew who the players were but um i we've never seen a player do something like dale moss did and it was so fun to watch i'm still very into their their instagram content they're like making basically hometown dates that never happened on instagram and it's just like it is so strong we think dale's gonna Dale's going to take off that he's going to have a million plus followers at some point, do some hosting, that kind of thing. She gave, she gave him a haircut the other day. You see that she one? Gave him a haircut. Yeah, no, no. She, he went to, How did I miss this? he's, he's in Sacramento right now. And she posted on that. He went to her salon and she gave him a haircut. She, that's what she does. She's a stylist. And, um, she cut his hair. They talked about it afterwards. Oh yeah. A whole thing. So, um, I mean, just everything he's doing on social media, he's taking these little things where people are making fun of him from the Party City costumes, and then he posts them, and he's like, look, I'm wearing the Superman costume, and I still look hot, and oh, people are saying I look like this little girl, or like this woman who looks like the girl from Polar Express, well, I'm going to do a TikTok with her, I'm going to get millions of views on that. <laughs> he is so fucking strong and impressive. Chad, your thoughts on Dale? Exactly the same. I mean, <laughs> he still, even it, after only appearing in four episodes of this 
season, he still is crushing all of the other male players in Instagram count. He has 760K. The next closest is Zach Clark, who I believe is at 540 right now. Um, maybe and, he's and he got, and he got like 300 of those in one That's day. Good. Yeah, he's at 577 now. So he's climbing the charts. But like you're saying, this is the first time we're ever going to see a bachelorette season butted right up against the bachelor season. So I do feel like a lot of these players are going to be iced wherever they are because all of our attention collectively is bachelor nation is about to turn toward this new crop of 32 players. But I do think what Dale Moss did this season was transcendental. It does set a new precedent. And like Lizzie said, we don't know if it's ever going to happen again because of the rare circumstance in which he was able to apply this parasocial game. And whether they were DMing each other or not, we may never know that. But what we do know is certainly they were indirectly communicating through their posts. Claire even mentioned looking at his stuff all the time. And uh, I think he knew that was happening. And I think she probably did, mm-hmm. too. So they could post something and put something in a caption that's not directly saying, hey, Claire, I'm trying to tell you this. But they could tell each other things about themselves in this kind of indirect parasocial communication that I think we just are not going to see that again. Unless there is some other catastrophic circumstance that forces production to go on hiatus for five months and all that kind of stuff, which I hopefully won't happen. Yeah. I mean, it happened because of COVID. I mean, this doesn't happen on any normal season. And so, which brings me to my next question of, I know that Tasha was contacted, you know, late in the process of, hey, we need you to come on and we're thinking that we want to bring you on as the Bachelorette. The bottom line was, whenever she was contacted, she had the ability to look at these guys as well. So she has said, I didn't. I don't believe it for a second, but I'm also not saying she did a deep dive on the you know, because she didn't know who was left or whatever. But look, if you're about to be the Bachelorette and the, you have an opportunity to at least look at your guys before showing up that night, of course she looked. So that's why I'm saying I don't necessarily believe that she didn't look. But did she do a deep dive and go over all their Instagram accounts and look at every picture? No. But I got to believe that she looked at what guys she was about to enter into. I, I, I mean, it's a, high stress, it's a high-stress situation that she was coming into. It is hard for me to believe that she wouldn't prepare. Yeah, and, and, there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong if she did because Claire did it for four months. Like she was looking at her guys, she was looking at their Instagram stories. She admitted it. So I just find it weird that Kate is like, "No, I wanted to go in with a clean slate." Come on, you looked at the guys. Stop it. I mean, and it's not a big deal if you did. It's just I find that really hard to believe, even if it was like, "Oh, I barely had any time." Well, I, I guarantee you, you, you did. I think the one thing we heard was she had 48 hours to get to La Quinta. Well, that means she had two sleeps in her bed before she left for La Quinta. You don't think that she laid in her bed and scrolled through her phone before she went to bed and just said, okay, what guys did they throw out there? Uh, who's, I don't know who's left, but at least I yeah. know, you know I'm looking at some of the guys that could still be there, and maybe she you know, looked at some spoilers to be like, oh, this person's not around anymore, whatever. Um, I just think she looked, and, and I don't think it's a big deal that she did look. I just... Don't know why she's saying she never looked at any of the guys. Come on. You're about to be I the think Bachelorette. Be, I think it be, should be something they incorporate into the show. I, I yeah. think all the players <laughs> should have like a month or something or at least a week to look at each other's Instagrams. I think it helps the show. It heightens their relationships. As soon as they hit the door at that point, as soon as they get out of the limo, 
their the parasocial bond that they've built with the lead and the lead back to the players it heightens their emotional investment from night one you're going to see more tears you're going to see more kisses this was true of bob guinea who was the first bachelor in season four to be cast from the player pool of a prior season of bachelorette and we saw in that season all the players who walk out of the limo are already in love with him because they've watched him for a full season on tv i think giving the players the ability to have some kind of a parasocial relationship with the lead before they meet each other and vice versa, the lead to the players actually helps the show. And we'll have it that. It also reflects modern dating because I don't know, on all the dating apps, people are putting their Instagram bio as like a business card type thing, like stalk me and check out, you know, that I'm a real person and I'm not a murderer kind of thing. And we're going to get that with Matt's season because Matt was announced on June 12th and these women didn't leave for filming until uh, beginning of October. So they had four months to look at every single thing that Matt did and watch him in the quarantine crew never, mm-hmm. wear, never wear a mask. You know, they had all that going into their heads. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and some of their Instagrams seem tailor-made to Matt's preferences. Yeah. So <laughs> very curious about that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting. So um, going down to the final, let's just talk about the final four for, for Tasha's season and her guys. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Chad, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, were you, I mean, I don't know where you were spoiler wise with this, if you had known and then things got a little murky at the end or whatever, but the initial, you know, spoiler out there from before the season started was, Hey, she picked Zach, but I don't know what's going on in their mm. relationship. I don't know if you knew that or whatever. Where were you at with spoilers heading into that final couple weeks of crammed episodes together? I was completely spoiler free, but I did predict Zach would win. Okay. Um, I was spoiler free and predicted Brendan. And predicted <laughs> so <Brendan>. disappointed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay. Um, did you think Brendan should have, and I say should have, but again, we don't know. I have a feeling that, Brendan probably tried to leave earlier than he did, or at least expressed some Mm. serious doubt about, I don't know if this is for me because in post-show interviews that I've listened to with him, this guy was literally plucked from obscurity on this show. He knew, he knew nothing about what game he was about to enter and what, (laughs) and what it meant. Um, So Chad, what, what were your thoughts on that final three him leaving and then Ben coming back and then her giving Ben a chance only to eliminate him two days later. Like what was your thoughts on all that? I thought the Ben resurrection was completely telegraphed. I don't think that was a surprise to anyone watching the show. As soon as you see him get in the car and drive off into the night, he's like, I fucked up. It's like, no, you didn't dude. There's a producer sitting one foot away from you telling you they're going to bring you back. They're going to drive you around the parking lot of Nima of, uh, La Quinta, and then they're going to put you back in your room for two days and you're going to be right back in the show. So to me, that was the producers are getting sloppy with those kinds of things, at least in the season. And granted, the season had a lot of things out of their control. So hopefully they'll be on their A game uh, in the upcoming season. But in terms of Brendan leaving, this was actually Lizzie's error of the season. And I agree it was a huge one. You never take yourself out of the game. And uh, I guess what you're saying is true. Like maybe he did try to leave earlier because he's just not cut out for this. But once you're in it, the possible benefit of getting however many Instagram followers you can get and becoming an influence is so immense. You stay in the game at all costs. I think he could have made it maybe to the finals if they hadn't have done that thing with Ben. But the thing with Ben, 
kind of belies that maybe the producers did know he was going to leave and they had orchestrated all of this. Um, I also think the Ivan dismissal was interesting. We talked about that in our episode on Monday, which was kind of a recap of the top 10 things to take away from this season, that this was the first time, although clearly the game has gotten more and more overtly Christian, all the leads now are Christian faith is brought up from time to time. Sometimes with Hannah Brown openly, she'll say, Jesus still loves me. Things of that nature. Luke P was obviously very Christian on her season. And this, to our knowledge, is the first time that religion is used as a reason to dismiss somebody with Ivan. And we found that pretty interesting. Obviously something that was out of his control. Um, but yeah. By the way. Sorry, go ahead, Liz. Sorry, by the way, Ivan had my play of the season when he had that one-on-one date with Tasha, where they talked about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and police brutality being mixed race in America, like that conversation to me was the highlight of this season, like lining it up with the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, relating that to his family story. And then they showed Gabriel, his brother, in this very humanizing way, like to me. And we had just done this hyper binge where we watched every season of The Bachelor. There has been no conversation even close to this on the show before. So it it made me very excited about the future of Bachelor that, you know, maybe we don't have to be as complicit as I have felt in uh, some of these issues. No, I agree. I mean, it was a conversation. Not only have we never that it was important at the time, not even close. This show doesn't broach anything that's remotely on the fence, controversial, whatever. It's just such basic. Oh, I love my family. Oh, you do? I do, too. You know, that's the common ground these people usually have. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, then to find out post show that basically Ivan told her I'm agnostic and she's wants to marry someone who's Christian. That basically did them in. Again, is it a situation where should this have come up earlier? Um, you get to a final three with somebody and you find this out. Seems a little late, but I, you know, I don't know because we don't know what they talked about before. Maybe Ivan briefly mentioned it, but they never dove into it until they had mm-hmm. a lovely romantic night in an airstream. You know, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that comes out when you're sitting in an airstream. You're like, hey, I'm agnostic, by the way. Um, yeah. So but it's also a bigger issue of the show generally. The, the premise of this show, the conceit that the producers are putting forward, is this is a process by which two people are meant to fall in love, or the lead is meant to be able to choose from a variety of different people and see who matches with her the best. Shouldn't, at the very least, the producers ask the lead in the very beginning, "Do you have any deal breakers?" And if one of them is that simple, has to be Christian, shouldn't every guy on the show be Christian? Well, that's 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 being too that's being too realistic, Chad. I mean, they, of course, that's the way. But we know that this is a television show. They're not casting right. the twenty most um, most perfect men for the lead, and vice versa. They're not casting the thirty-two most eligible women for Matt James that fit him to a T. Okay. They're course. casting a television, and they show. were also cast for Claire, not Tisha. Well. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, and here and here's the other thing that I found totally interesting by something that Brendan said. Brendan, I think, said in one of his interviews, Claire wasn't really for me. Tasha was more my vibe. And he said I was contacted and 10 days later I was flown out to La Quinta. So that tells me yet again. I mean, look, I, 
I can say it till I'm blue in the face and people are mm-hmm. going to choose to not believe it, but they knew they were bringing Tasha in at some point before this season even started. And you can't tell me otherwise because I have proof, but I can't show it without outing sources anyway. But it, but mm. in, in stuff oh. that, in stuff that I can talk about because they've talked about it themselves. When, when, when a guy like Brendan says in an interview, he did Tasha that um, Claire wasn't really his type. Tasha absolutely vibed with, he absolutely vibed with her more and from the time he was contacted, he was basically recruited by somebody, by a production, uh, by casting. Mm-hmm. And 10 days later, he was in La Quinta. Wait a second. Uh, back up. <laughs> yeah. You had Claire as your bachelorette. Brendan was not part of the initial cast, nor was any of her final four. Tasha's final four, except for Ivan. He was the only one, and only four of her final 12 wow. were in the initial casting. Yet more evidence. But again, however, when I hear... Claire's our bachelorette. We're filming in March. Oh, COVID hit. Sorry, we got to recast. You had four months to recast, and you cast Brendan 10 days before he left for filming? And you yet you're, you're telling me, you're trying to convince me that you cast him for Claire? No, you didn't. You cast him because you knew who was coming on. Like, he guy practically admitted it himself in the interview. Like, I vibed with Tasha. I didn't, there wasn't really anything with Claire, so... Just more yeah, evidence. and arguably, <laughs> arguably, Brendan and Tasha are meant to be together. He is her type as well. This is why I thought Brendan was going to win because he's he's very gentle, like Tasha, and also younger, which Tasha said was her type. So, <sighs> yeah, and and, yeah. and and look, and I think what I've been saying all season makes me um, has led people to email me and say, you know, why are you putting this? Isn't Tasha's fault? We're putting. I'm not putting it on her. I'm not even saying Tasha knew that she was going to be called like they're making it seem like Tasha knew the whole time. Like, Oh yeah, I know I'm going in. Mm -hmm. No, I think production sat down when they storyboard their season. This was their, this was their like big twist. This season is like, look, we can easily convince Claire because they knew how much she was into Dale pre-show. I don't think they looked at it as much of a, a hard job for them to convince her to leave the show with him. Hmm. I, I think if they were just like, no, we'll just go with the whole season and she'll pick, she'll pick Dale and that'll be our season. I think because they had their first time ever doing a one location shoot, it was being starting airing in October and they knew that everything was off. They needed some twist. They needed some hook and their hook was, we'll bring in somebody because we know Claire is going to be fall for Dale. And even if she doesn't want to leave the show, we can easily make her leave the show and just be like, Hey, Claire, it's you and Dale. Like, it's obvious. Like, you guys mm-hmm. need to run with this. Like it's very, it, it was clear as day. Now I'm not saying that Tasha knew production was going to do that to Claire. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. she got a call. They wanted her, but what I'm saying is they knew they wanted her before it all started. And then hearing these things post show is it, it, things are just adding up way too easily. And yeah. they know what they're doing. Like you said, that that episode had the highest ratings. Yeah. I mean, that was the highest rated episode of the season was, was uh was Tasha's first episode and Claire and Dale the episode before episode four, right before it was one hundred thousand viewers uh less and that was it those were the two highest rated episodes of the season episode four and episode five um so it worked out for them and no I mm-hmm. don't think I don't think Tasha had any clue what was going on with the Claire and Dale situation she just picked up the phone and said yeah I'll do it but I'm just saying before the season started they knew. We're going with Tasha as the Bachelorette at some point this season. I don't know if they thought, oh, it's going to be episode four and it's going to go this way. They just knew they were bringing her in, 
and they were going to have a second bachelorette. That's all it was. And Brendan's interview uh, now, and now when I hear that and I think about it even more, I'm like, wait a second, it's not making any sense. This guy just admitted you called him ten days before he left to go film when you had four months of casting men. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> casting men for Claire. If Claire, if if Tasha wasn't even on your radar whatsoever, you had four months of ca- casting men for Claire, and here he is saying, yeah, yeah, I got called ten days before I left, and I wasn't really into Claire. But Tasha was way more my vibe. It's like, okay, there's a reason she was way more your vibe, because you were brought in specifically for her, and you lasted full, and you lasted long. Like I said, four of the, is it, f- yeah, four of the twelve, um, four of Tasha's final twelve were in the initial cast. So eight men that happened to make Tasha's final twelve were part of the July cast that was announced three days before they started filming. It's just, it's a lot of evidence out there. But they'll, yeah. never, they'll never admit it. I mean, they specifically <laughs> said, oh, no, we didn't plan this. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you did. You don't have to convince me of any of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I believe they shot a Phantom Night 1 at the mansion before. <laughs> oh, that's right. At okay. I believe oh, they no. all each other. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's right. Oh, you yeah. had people, I, I had people telling me that say, hey, um, Bachelor Clues said that there was a first night filmed of it. <laughs> Are you aware of this? I'm like, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> We, Are I mean, you aware of what Bachelor <laughs> is saying? <laughs> we we actually, I mean, when that was all going down, there were pictures coming out that I was posting of the guys at the Westlake Village Inn, wherever they stay, or the Sheraton yep. Westlake uh, across the street from the mansion. So, yeah, we knew they were all out there, and they were all set to go. And that, that Friday, that Friday the 13th, was the, supposed to be the, uh, was the limo entrances. But, yeah, it got shut down, um, and there was never any... Did did you get some sort of tip that said yes there was a first full night? <laughs> Where did this come was from? Was there ever any actual evidence? <laughs> Where to... did this come from? The evidence was all kind of circumstantial things that I would hear players <laughs> say in podcasts about, oh. or you would hear like um, I forget who it was. Was it maybe Kelly Flanagan was flying out to do peepees? After the final rose, she was going to be in the audience so that they could have that shot of her waving like everything's fine. And she said that she flew out on a plane with Blake Moynes to L.A. And I was like, well, why the hell was he in L.A. if they weren't about to start shooting? And so that was probably just before they started shooting or before they planned to start shooting uh, the original season of Claire. So they were in L.A. They were in that hotel. And I have to imagine at least some of the guys met each other at that point. They keep them. They Look. keep them pretty separated. This is like CIA level shit. Like you literally don't see unless. I mean, even if you go to the bathroom, like, well, the bathroom isn't down the hall. This isn't a dorm room. But um, um, yeah. if you want to go down to the gym, you have to request time to go down with the handler, and they have to make sure that no other guys from the season mm. are in the gym. And everything you do outside of your room has to be pre-approved. Like you literally don't see who il- sure. who else is on your season until you are in the lobby about to enter the limo to go to the mansion. So, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, is that when they put you in your little pod of five people and you're, you're yeah. like, you're going to be in limo A with Bennett and knowing whoever it's going to be. Were they at that point when they pulled the plug? Um, from what I heard, no, but it was earlier in that day. I mean, I'm sure guys were set to get dressed. I mean, maybe someone, like, that'd be the funny thing to find out. How many of you had your suits on, on March 13th ready? Yeah. Or did you only have the shirt and tie on? You were still ironing your pants. Exactly. Like when did you find well, out? Steve, we've gotten a lot of counter evidence as well. to say there was no phantom night one yeah. to be clear. Yeah. No, that's the funny I part. The footage exists. I will find it. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's kind of the funny part about it is like, when did they find out? I know it got shut down that day, but was it, you know, when guys were standing in the lobby about to get into the limo, maybe it was, they found out then, like, I don't know, but I just remember yeah. as a country, I'm almost positive as a country around three or four o'clock that day, maybe it was a two in the afternoon central time. I just remember Trump holding a press conference at the white house saying, this is a global pandemic on Friday the 13th. And at that point, I got to believe is when the production team at ABC was just like, yeah, we can't. The president just yeah. said it's a global, en- global pandemic. We can't film this show. Yeah. So, yeah, it must have been early evening, uh, you know, maybe maybe in the afternoon, maybe between 1 and 3 o'clock Pacific time. They realized, okay, we can't shoot tonight. But, yeah, that, that must have been it. But, um but yeah, fascinating. I mean, they had four months to cast people, and yet Brendan gets called ten days beforehand. Like that, just mm-hmm. something majorly off about that. Um, and the fact that most of Tasha's men were not in the um, initial cast uh, for Claire. You know, so the only four were Blake Moines, Ivan. I had it written down. I put it in one of my columns. It was Blake Moines, Ivan, and in the top, uh, um, uh, Damar was in the initial cast. Uh, of so he finished what eighth seventh um Blake Moynes finished fifth uh and then there was one other one yeah four out of 12 so yeah interesting um all right let's move on to Matt's season because I know you guys are breaking down the rankings right now you had a podcast you had a podcast that came out this week doing a one to 16 rankings of the 32 women uh for Matt's season I first need to ask you before we continue are you, mm-hmm. are you, have you heard of anything in regards to this season, spoiler wise? And do you want to hear anything, spoiler wise? We have not. I would prefer if we could not okay. <laughs> do spoilers. That's, well, I, if I if that's possible. That. Okay. I mean, I haven't, I'll put it to this. I haven't put out the winner, so it's not like it's out there. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So you guys are ranking, you did one to 16, and you're doing it by lowest Instagram follower count to highest. That's what you're basically going to do. Yes. Okay. Who was number one? Who had the lowest? The lowest was Lauren Maddox. Oh, really? She had, she had, she has 1273. Oh, okay. So this is lowest in terms of what date did you, uh, that's, Take their follow account. Twelve twenty seven. Oh, so you did it as of twelve twenty seven. Okay, because obviously, I think people are hearing things and following women they think might last longer. Because I have the list of all the names and Instagram accounts of what their follower account was back on three days before filming began, which I believe it came out. It was either October sixth or October seventh. I wrote down all Mm -hmm. their follower accounts then, and I have. One, two, well, yes, three, some of them four. still had below a thousand. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm just counting the below a thousand. Four, five, six. I had six people below a thousand back on October 6th. And, I and now there are none. And I guarantee they're all over. They got to be in four, yes. at least four figures now, some probably in five figures. But I yeah. Mean, and, and the highest is Kit Keenan at 45.5K currently who was you know as we know of kit keenan the basics i mean they didn't even hide this when they introduced her on the on the um 
Do you have a special name for the show that Chris Harrison does to introduce the contestants, this thing that they do online every year now? Do you, have you named this? No. <laughs> I haven't even watched it. I've seen some clips from it If when players repost their specific things. Sometimes yeah. I'll see it in the stories. But it's just like, I feel like whatever they're doing, he's basically just reading the ABC bios and showing you a little video clip of them. Yeah. I have no interest in it. I feel like what Lizzie and I do, where we go deep through all their Instagrams and really analyze what their play style might be and how far we think they'll go. That to me is a more interesting introduction to all these players, at least for me. That's how I like to get my information about them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we include some stuff from the ABC bios, but the bios tend to be pretty generic. Um, Some of them are, some of them are interesting, but for the most part, they're not. Yeah. I, um, do you know who got the first impression rose or no? Is that something that's not spoiled to you either? No. <laughs> okay. So we, know, re- we remain. Oh, shoot. So you know nothing. Okay. Well, the only thing that we know is, I forget who it was. Was it Abigail Herringer comes out of the limo with a vibrator? No, it's no, not her. Katie, that's, Thurst- um, Katie Thurston. Katie Thurston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Katie we Thurston. Know that. Yeah. That's the, only the vibrator has been spoiled for us. <laughs> yeah. Katie Thurston's got the vibrator. Uh, Which the, I like. I can't wait to see that. I'm like, that is my favorite limo ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So God, I want to say something that it's not like anything about the ending of the show, but Chris Harrison has said it actually in interviews with Rachel Lindsay. So I don't know if you've even heard this part. Are, are you aware that there's more than 32 women this season? Yes. Yes. Okay. There's one more or there's two more. No, there's six more. What? Oh my god! <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh my god! There's 38 players. Yeah. So on night one, you're gonna have to do an elimination of what? 15, 16 players? Oh no, 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 no! Do no. they come in night one? The 32 that were announced online were part of the show. Those are the 32 he meets night one. I see. But just oh just God. like just bring like bringing all stars later. Um okay, I'll just say this. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to name names. <clears throat> I'll say this. <laughs> at some at some point this season after a rose ceremony, Chris Harrison brings in five new women for Matt. But those five oh, but those five women those five women all came from this batch of 43 that were released back on the sixth or seventh. So it's not like you have to go find. Oh, they're not all stars. You're saying they are. Those five are not all stars. Those are people from the, those are five that they chose from the initial 43. However, after that, even after that, there is a former contestant who does show up on that season. Okay. Only one former contestant. One former contestant. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been theorizing so much about who the, former contestant is who thinks it might be Kendall. Okay. But to. I'm like, I feel like it has to be someone from PP season from pilot Pete season. Okay. No, I won't say anything. Colton season. I feel like it could be somebody from Colton season. That seems like the right time frame Cause sometimes they let two or three seasons. Last. Who? Katie. Mo? Who Was it the, um, who, what Heather Martin, maybe. Some, for some reason, I'm like, 
I didn't get all. Oh, never been kissed. Her. Yeah. There's something interesting that I'm like, I don't know. There, there's something that I'm like, we didn't get what we needed out of her. I feel like the producers can bring her back in for something. And she is friends with Hannah Brown. Exactly. That is the main thing that is making me think. But I'm like, who's in the kind of sphere of Matt James's world that might have a relationship with him? That's like, we were just friends and I had these feelings and I want to know if you have the same kind. And anybody who's in the Hannah Brown sphere, I think, is for that reason possible to come back. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I mean, I don't want to I'm not going to say anything either way. Um, So but yeah, that's how it breaks down Um, after a rose ceremony. (laughs) I think it's. I think I, be, I believe it's after the second rose ceremony they bring five new women in, who were mm-hmm. were all part of the forty three. So that basically means of the forty three women that were released gotcha. before the season, essentially um, six of them are only six never make it on this show at some point. So wow. Well, I mean, we I'm, did a. Sorry, go ahead, Lizzie. No, they're at a they're at a disadvantage though. <laughs> I mean, we saw whose was it. Um, Chris Souls this season, they brought in 15. He went in to mingle with everyone, and then they brought in 15. And I think most of the front runners were from the initial. I think there just is you have an advantage if you have more time. Period. Absolutely, it's like in Paradise when they bring in the late players and they're just gone that day because they haven't been there to develop relationships that really. But I think, but not always least, true. Not always true, but you know, Mary Delgado. I know Mary Delgado is one of the greatest <laughs> players of all time. And she did come into a season late and then won that whole season. Yeah. Uh, but I do also think that because of COVID and shooting in these bubbles and all this stuff, we're in this kind of forced experimental era. We went through and really broke down like what the different seasons were in the bachelor and uh, where the different eras are. So there's like classic era is one through three. Then season four through 12 is the experimental era where they start inventing things like the first impression rows, group date roses, two on ones, these kind of like big pieces of the game that we take for granted now, but they didn't exist all the time. It took those seasons four through 12 to make them. And then multiple bachelors shooting in Europe, et cetera. And then once they start with Jason Mesnick, it goes to the modern era in season 13. This is now when they are going to use a player from The Bachelorette as the lead in every season, with the exception of Brad Womack in season 15. But that was his second season as Bachelor. And then once you get to season 16, it starts um, what we're calling the Paradise era because Paradise becomes a thing and players from those seasons start appearing on the first seasons of Paradise. And the secondary goal of not just winning the ring or becoming the Bachelorette starts to emerge of making it into the top four, or top six, so that you're guaranteed a secondary appearance on Paradise. <clears throat> Which brings me to my next topic that I wanted to talk about in regards to yeah. this, which is Matt James is our first lead who was not on a previous season since batch since bachelor Brad Womack season one. It's the first time. So we're talking yep. almost 25 consecutive seasons where the lead that is brought onto our television screens is somebody we've already developed a relationship with. We've seen them usually last until minimum final four. So we've met their family. We're invested. Matt James is brought in. He's announced four months before they start filming conveniently a week after the George Floyd story. Um, and the fact that he's best friends with Tyler Cameron. Those are two huge reasons why Matt James is our bachelor this season. Agree mm-hmm. or disagree? 
I mean, 100%, it seems like a knee-jerk reaction to the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. But I'm not upset about it. I, no, neither am I. We got it. We got it. So we had to do whatever in order to get it. It wasn't Mike Johnson, who would have been my preferred first Black Bachelor, but whatever. <laughs> I, we got totally, it. Totally agree. And I would also argue that while he might not have been a player in a prior season Bachelorette, he has been in the game for a very long time. Yeah. The quarantine crew is a part of the parasocial world of bachelordom, especially because during that time period, we had no bachelor media on TV other than listen to your heart, which some would argue is not bachelor media. Uh, so people were looking at Tyler Cameron and Hannah Brown's Instagrams and the quarantine crew every day. They were watching that like the bachelor. Matt James is a fixture in it. I think most people who are about to tune into the season already know who he is. And again, it's this weird parasocial era. Maybe this this Nima colon, this La Quinta era, the COVID bubble era, whatever you want to call it. To me, it really is starting to show the power of parasocial influence in the game where you have Dale Moss wrecking a season in four episodes. Now you've got a lead, Matt James, cast basically from his TikToks and Instagram because of his association with the two biggest Instagram players in the history of the game, Tyler Cameron and Hannah Brown. Yeah, so I, think, I, I, I would. I, I think that's not lost on anybody. I mean, there's just there's just no way that if this guy wasn't best friends with the two highest Instagram followers in the history of this franchise, that he'd be the Bachelor. Uh, not only be the Bachelor, but be announced four months early. Be announced with no fanfare whatsoever. I think mm-hmm. I think Thursday night, GMA said, "Hey, big announcement tomorrow." Didn't even say big announcement. We're announcing the new Bachelor. It just said, "Hey, mm-hmm. Bachelor Nation, tune in tomorrow." And then it became, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, Matt James is our bachelor. It just, it's very performative. But I think what Matt said in his first interview yeah. with GMA was very important. And I always forget the quote, but I've said it three or four times on this podcast and I always forget it. But it was essentially along the lines of basically what you just said, Lizzie, which was, look, it doesn't matter how we got here. We're at least here. Essentially, like, yeah. it, it, it happened, finally. If it, if it, if it, mm-hmm. 40 seasons of, it it, of being wrong, at least we're finally right now, or whatever, 25 seasons of Bachelor of with no black bachelors, yeah. you know. Um, it is so fucking important, like, that this is happening, and I hope that he gets huge ratings. Like, I, I, I do think that um, in showing him and, and making him the Bachelor, I, I just don't think that um, if they were going to choose a, ba- a black Bachelor, and I think I even said this, the week before uh, the announcement, the Sunday night before the Friday announcement of Matt, I said it on my live with Ashley Spivey. I'm like, Ashley, there's no way they can throw out another milk toast privileged white dude as their bachelor with what's going on in the country mm-hmm. right now. They will get destroyed if they do that. And then five yeah. and then five days later, here it is. Matt James gets announced. Um, and I think Rachel Lindsay had part had a part in this where she was basically saying she would boycott the show at the next flat bachelor wasn't black and she basically represents diversity on the show which is sad and like luckily becoming less true but you know i think she was able to wield that in a powerful way and i mean it it, yeah 25 seasons and you just line up these 25 bachelors and all next to each other you're just like wow i mean how how did we not why did it take 25 years? And it's like, okay, it did take 25 years. They have made tons of mistakes, but hey, at least it happened. At least they finally did yep. it. Even if it was performative, 
And even if it was like rushed and not given the fanfare that it should have been given as the announcement of our next bachelor. And even if it is somebody who's never been on a show before and we haven't had as an audience, the investment that we normally would to a lead coming into uh, accepting Mm -hmm. this role, at least, I mean, you mentioned it, Chad, that, um, I think a lot of people do know who he is, but I don't think we know a lot about him because right. shit, even when they brought him on the goat show, it's like, Hey, well, let's talk to Tyler Cameron and get his thoughts yeah. on Hannah Brown's season. Oh, let's squeeze oh, in our next I bachelor as, as Matt James just comes sliding into the screen. It's like, he's your fucking bachelor. Can we just yeah. get over I the Tyler Cameron? So love? Much. Like, yeah. It was like, look, here's Tyler Cameron's black best friend. Exactly. That is how I saw that. Oh, that exactly. rollout, which, yeah, it was not handled well. And like, God, I mean, he, we also, we've had Juan Pablo. He is Latinx. Um, and Matt James is biracial. You know, he's white and black. I think that that is, you know, people don't want to talk about that, but it is an important part of this conversation. Yeah. Is are people more willing if somebody like we were talking about Rachel Lindsay's Instagram followers not being 1 million and how Tasha finally hit the 1 million mark and like how important that was as well. And somebody brought that up. I was like, that is interesting because she is half black, half white and Rachel is black. And I don't know. It's, it's definitely these conversations need to continue and people need to keep putting pressure on the franchise because i do believe they might divert to the means um but i'm very i'm very excited and i gotta say i'm hopeful about all of this like not only did they cast tasha biracial african-american mexican they seemed and not only have they cast uh matt james now but they seem to also be taking into account the broader kind of presentation of it Matt James's player pool is the most diverse we've ever seen by mm-hmm. a huge margin. So it does seem that they're at the very least willing to make an attempt to solve this problem, to make it better in some way. And like Lizzie was saying, time will tell if they continue on this path or not, but at least for Matt James season, at least for the back half of this fractured bachelorette season, it seems like they are listening they're listening to the bachelor diversity movement online. They're listening to what's going on culturally in America. And it seems like they are willing to be more reflective of not only what America looks like, but the conversations that we're having. Like Lizzie said, for me too, the most important moment culturally of this past season of Bachelorette was that conversation between Ivan and Tasha, something we never thought we would see on uh, ABC, on The Bachelorette. And it's so reflective of all the conversations that everyone is having in America at this time. Yeah. And hopefully, like in its best form, all reality television, whether it's Bachelor, Bachelorette or anything else, should be reflective of what's happening in our culture. Even if they're put in these crazy circumstances where it's like a dating reality show or a survivor or a big brother, something like that. You still want those things to be reflective of what's happening in the culture at large. And it seems like at the very least, they're trying to attempt to do that, which I and we're And we're breaking records. You know, Dale Moss is the first black ring winner you know we're we're a lot of these historical firsts are happening this year that's right he is and along the lines of what you're saying chad hasn't cbs 
um, installed a new policy in all their reality shows where half the cast has to be um, how do you, BIPOC. Haven't they, oh, haven't, I hadn't, did I hadn't you, seen anything about that. That's yeah. great, though. I've heard, I've, I thought I've read that uh, any maybe it's not CBS, maybe it's MTV. I think it's mm-hmm. both. No, I think it's CBS and MTV. They well, they're under they're under Viacom, so I believe it's the whole Viacom thing that they have now said that all their reality shows at least fifty percent. So on Survivor, Amazing Race, mm-hmm. Big Brother, MTV shows, any of those reality shows, you are going to see it has to have a fifty percent um, non-white cast. Yeah, non-white cast. Great. So, yeah. I I remember listening to your interview with jazzy and talking about you know it needs to be behind the scenes as well and we should make sure to keep putting pressure on them in that regard as well because white producers are only going to be able to tell certain stories you know you have to have diversity below the line as well i'm i wanted to ask you one last thing chad about um about matt in terms of gameplay the fact that this is our first bachelor who hasn't been on in 25 seasons, uh, who hasn't, wasn't on a previous season. And Chris Harrison, <clears throat> I believe in a preseason interview has said, I've had, I had to have a few words with Matt and this whole, this whole idea of, he didn't even know what a rose ceremony was. Um, right. How do you think that plays into, how do you think that plays into this season? Lucy and I have talked about this a little bit. Was he not cast as a player to be on Claire's season? Yeah, he, he was set. This? Yeah, he was set to be on. He was on the original cast okay. of Claire's season. So he knew he was going into the game. His best friend is Tyler Cameron. He also has hung out with Hannah Brown. They're not coaching him. Of course they are. We're in an era now where you have players like Hannah Godwin coaching Hannah Sluss, who becomes a ring winner. I think for sure they have coached him. I think for sure. He definitely knows what a rose ceremony is. That's insane. Everybody knows what a rose <laughs> ceremony is. That's like saying like well, he I don't thinks it's football. called an invitation night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like saying you don't know what a touchdown is because you don't watch football. Um, he knows what a rose ceremony is, and I think he's going to potentially be a more interesting lead because he doesn't understand the subtle nuance because he hasn't gone through the process once. I think he might be more likely to kind of break the uh, structure of the game a little bit to suit his needs. And as long as that's on the kind of level of 4TRR, as long as he's saying, well, this is what I need to do to find love. For the right reasons. For the right reasons. The show has to abide by whatever he does. But I'm interested. I do think it's going to play a part for sure that he has not been through the game once. Yeah, I think it's going to play a part. I just don't know if it's going to play. Excuse me. I just don't know if it's going to play a good part. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. I, I guess I have to watch and see it play out on how he acts and how his lack of knowledge about how this show works, not even just how a rose ceremony works, but just, you know, quote unquote, playing the game. And mm-hmm. as you as the lead kind of know what you need to do because you've been through it before. You know what to expect when you sit down and film an ITM where they want you to mm-hmm. talk about something. I'm curious to see how that part goes for him because he hasn't done that until he started filming this season. Um, One thing that I wanted to bring up because I wanted to make sure I got it right. And I just brought it up to you. um, I pulled up uh, an article on the whole CBS casting thing. And I just want to read to what it says for people that are just like, did Steve just pull that out of his ass that CBS is no. 
Um, <laughs> this is this is from Deadline. Um, it's an article written in November. CBS's slate of reality shows set to become more diverse after the network introduced a series of representation targets. The network has introduced an edict that 50% of its casts for unscripted shows must be black, indigenous, or people of color, and it has committed that at least 25% of its annual unscripted development budget must go towards creators and producers that are BIPOC. So it is an official thing wow. at CBS that they are, that all right. the reality shows will be at least 50% BIPOC. Is that how you pronounce it? When people say it in the BIPOC, black, indigenous, people of color. <laughs> is that how people are pronounced? Instead of saying it, black, indigenous, people of color, every time they just say BIPOC, BIPOC, whatever. Okay. But, I have yeah. no idea. I'm not sure. But that's the thing. And yeah. oh, by the way, while I'm also on deadline, unfortunately, some horrible news. Dawn Wells, Gilligan's Island, died at the age of 82 today. Oh, that's terrible. That sucks. She's uh, she's. I'm sorry. So now Ginger from Ginger from Gilligan's Island is the only uh, remaining living castmate. I used to watch Gilligan's Island all the time growing up. As did I. Yeah. Um. I I know what it is. Oh. <laughs> So you don't really care about the down, the death of Don I'm Wells. I'm so young. <clears throat> yeah. I'm so young, you guys. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, mo- moment of silence for Don Wells apparently, but not for uh, Lizzie. That she doesn't like who? Don Wells? Huh? Uh, no, that's that's Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Lizzie, you didn't watch. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, getting back on that, I, I do think it's going to be interesting with Matt. I, I really want to see how this plays out and how a guy who has never been in this bubble in more ways than one, so to speak, uh, has how he fared. Uh, Chris Harrison saying that, I had to have a few words with him this season, makes me think that maybe it wasn't all smooth sailing. I don't know. Um, will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, the next topic that I wanted to get to, and this is just for shits and giggles. The battle for baby supremacy in Bachelor Nation. <laughs> <laughs> the Lion Dyke twins versus Litter Baby is going to be a thing. Um, where, is it? So, Chad, where, I feel like the Clues is trying to make it a thing. For it's sure. not a thing. The Lion Dyke twins have fucking dominated it. Okay, so that where where are we at right now? Began. Where are the Lion Dyke twins versus Glitter Baby in follower count? Last I looked. The Lion Dyke twins were at a hundred and something. Um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> really? <laughs> of course. Oh, they're, they're, oh my God! They're at two hundred seven. Two hundred and seven thousand wow. people are following an Instagram account of twins that haven't been born yet. Yeah, Good and it's Lord. one post of Lauren with in profile for baby bump. It's a identical I'm... stylistic post to her first post on their other child, Alessi Lion Dyke's Instagram account. And Alessi has 365,000 followers. Do you think this is, they've been doing a loop promotion where it's a raffle to win an iPhone. You have to follow every member of their family. So I think this is, I'm going to keep them over 200 K for one of the first times in my life. I'm going to keep my opinions to myself on this one. <laughs> but just for glitter baby, you guys, glitter baby is at fifteen point eight k. Oh jeez! I mean, not even on the poor, radar. Poor glitter no, baby. Really, the fetus game was started, in my opinion, with Jade and Tanner Tolbert. She really was the one who kind of, at least in Bachelor Nation, kind of made this structural format of like, here's how you promote your pregnancy. 
and then start to do spawn con with your fetus. And the lion dikes have taken it to the highest possible level with, again, their fetuses have 200,000 followers. There's one post. They have, you know, whatever, eight months or seven and a half months until those children are alive. And I think those kids could have 500,000 followers the day they're born and they're going to be selling. I mean, they're going to be selling spawn con before they're born. That's a definite for sure. So, I mean, there was an they, this was called Baby Lion Deck before, and it was just a twinkle in Ari's eye. It wasn't even a baby yet. It was just a parked account for the baby they planned to have. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, God. I mean. And I think it's, it's interesting, too, that it's like these kids, for the first time really ever, these children are going to be famous from birth in this specific way. It's not like, you know, when Michael Jackson had his kids or Kim and Kanye, it's not like children of super famous people. It's children that are famous, children of famous people in this strange little world of The Bachelor. But that kid, at some point, they're going to have to explain to Alessi what having 300,000 Instagram followers mean and that they've been making money off of Alessi for her entire life and that there are 300,000 people in the world who have literally watched every image of her from the first sonogram that is uh, uh, i don't know how that is going to have to be broached with alessi but at some point it will have to be and we're now in this era where i feel like andy warhol said everybody will be famous for 15 minutes in the future now it's like everybody's going to be famous for their entire lives from inception we're like through this next kind of era of it did jay do it pre-birth did she do it like they were doing or she just shared a bunch so. of baby pictures in her own feed yeah it was in her own feed okay um but it was the well, similar style like that's what lauren is mimicking in her baby's instagram accounts the you know having the little board with the what how many weeks pregnant you are and how many months pregnant you are and you get to watch the baby bump grow so that it's kind of this uh dramatic narrative of leading up to the time of the birth and then Obviously, Ari and Lauren have their YouTube channel. That's going to be packed with every moment of this, as it has been up to this point. They're really, I think, starting kind of a new subgenre of bachelor parasocial media where they are chronicling every moment of pregnancies, births, childhood, and they're turning all of it into SpawnCon. It's a huge market, too. I remember listening to some podcasts about Target and how they were finding people who might give birth soon because you really want them to use you first off the bat because there just is so much stuff that you need to buy to have a kid. And you're telling me that on this baby Lion Dyke twin account that has one picture, they are telling people follow our baby account and you will be in the running to win an iPhone. Correct. They posted it on Ari and Lauren's pages and said, these are the handles for Ari, Lauren, Alessi, and the twins. And said, follow all these and do this, and you will be in the running to get an iPhone. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to be the one to, to break this uh, news to you. <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean, I get people post pictures of their baby, but setting it up pre-birth, um, 
making money off something that hasn't been born yet. It's just it's one thing to just post pictures of your kid all the time on your Instagram because plenty of people do that. This is just a level that I just find bizarre. I mean, like <clears throat> the Lion Dyke twins when they are born, just follow Ari and Lauren. Just look at their babies. I, the real question is going to be who is the dominant twin? Because once they're born, they can't share an Instagram account anymore. Hopefully, hopefully Ari and Lauren will separate them out and say, here are the two new Instagram accounts. And then which of those twins is going to get the higher number? That's the true battle that I'll be watching. <laughs> so basically, you're, you're, so basically you're <laughs> setting it up where these two are already at each other's throats at the age of three or four to who's got more followers and, Absolutely. As soon as they can understand numbers, they're going to be looking at that number on Instagram and being like, I have more followers than you. Anna Wesley is going to be in this, too. It's going to be a very interesting sibling rivalry developed around their Instagram accounts. Wow. All right. Um... (laughs) Or they will rebel and they will delete their account. Yeah, or that. That's my hope. (laughs) Um, So just to wrap it up here with you guys, um, with Game of Roses podcast – where, I mean, start with you, Lizzie, where do you see this going? Mm-hmm. Where, what's your ultimate goal out of this? And where do you see your Game of Roses podcast going in the next few years? Um, I would say that we we see it very much being this. People are already watching it as a game, but they don't kind of realize that. And so I would say what Game of Roses kind of what our intent with it is that it we're creating this ESPN style coverage of it. And it's a different way to watch the game. Um, and like I said, I think the bachelor will outlive us. And, you know, I'm very young. I didn't even know about Gilligan's Island. So, you know, I have a very long life ahead of me. But I still think the bachelor will, uh, <laughs> will outlive me. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We've we've come up with all these terms to describe these things that we have seen in the game over and over again. And, uh, you know, I loved your interview with Bachelor Data because when you can just look at the numbers, it's like you don't even, the numbers speak for themselves and show you, you know, sometimes not very positive things about the show, such as like racial representation, that kind of thing. Um, But... There are, you know, plays and strategies where people can do well. And even if you are in it to find love, you do have to play this game and you do have to be prepared. Chad? Yeah, I I second what Lizzie said. I mean, ultimately, I see a version of what we're doing. The kind of final version is a daily show. I think eventually we go to some kind of a video format, maybe a YouTube channel. Maybe it even gets on streaming somewhere. But I think that there is enough information about everything happening in the Bachelor world at this point, everything from what these players are doing on Instagram, maybe with their fetuses or not, all the way to (laughs) is Chris Harrison retiring, all the way to like who gets cast and what's happening in the actual game itself. There's enough of that stuff that I think there is an amount of information that can fulfill a daily version of a show of some kind. Maybe it's only half an hour. Maybe it's an hour but I see kind of a sports center of this being the ultimate evolution of what we're doing at game of roses that will have a podcast component still certainly, but 
I see that video component as being bigger. But yeah, exactly what Lizzie said. We're really developing at this point the language to talk about this thing as a sport in the same way that sports writers developed a language in the early 1900s for baseball when things like ERA and RBI didn't yet exist. It took sports writers to identify these statistical categories, start writing about them, and then they became absorbed by the game and even changed the way teams were made and lineups were made and all that kind of stuff. I think we're identifying similar important statistical categories in The Bachelor, writing about them, we're working on a book, and we're certainly talking about them in our podcast in the hopes that our analysis of the game will change how it's played. And it might already. We are starting to have players say that they listen to our podcast, and I'm curious as to whether we will see some of these strategies play out in game. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, there certainly is, especially one, especially in season. I don't know out of season if there's going to be a ton where you could fill a daily show. I mean, I, I guess it all depends on how much effort and research you put into following every single thing that every single one of these contestants is putting out on Instagram. For sure, then if you were to take all of 32 of Matt's women and then plus the other five, plus the one and yeah, 38 women that you want to cover for Matt's season. If you were following them every single day and watched every single one of their Instagram stories or their feeds. Mm. Yeah. You could, that would be wild. <laughs> you could. Yeah. You, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm following a few from Matt's season, but I, I guess I just don't pay attention enough to what they're, doing now because a lot of them are being very very quiet and you know this show has absolutely cracked down on social media with these contestants because in the past just two three seasons ago yeah the second somebody got eliminated they were hopping back on their instagram and you can tell when they were eliminated now every single one of these contestants is basically told go private while you're filming and you cannot Mm -hmm. turn on you can't go from private to public or from deactivated to private until filming is done and then you can all do it in one day. Like we all got that dump on November 18th where everyone came back online. Um, So now they've really started to crack down on their own contestants and not allowing them to do that. But I don't think like even the in season doesn't really matter. Like what I, for me, what I've really learned out of us doing this podcast and like hammering the format of it until we got it into what we want. We do a show at the end of the week called this week in bachelor nation that contains Bachelor Nation news items, and we also do a thing called the Parasocial Play of the Week, where we go through all the biggest posts on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, from the kind of top players and talk about what was the most important one or what got the biggest engagement. And for me, really, mm-hmm. not only are we breaking down what's happening in the show as a game, but I've become acutely aware of the fact that the social media arena is a game unto itself, and that one never ends. Yeah, Everyone And it's getting play. more competitive. <laughs> Yeah, people are making better and better content, and uh, it's fun to break it down. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see once you know, uh, because these these women, as far as I know, and again, I'm not following as 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 keen as you are, uh, Chad. But I, these women, as far as I know, aren't even commenting on each other's posts just yet. I don't think that's going to be able to start till Monday. Because they're not even acknowledging the other women. They're just saying, hey, I did this thing. You're going to find out on Monday. And they, But they're not even sure. – but in seasons past, there were girls – I remember it was Nick's season. There was like six or seven women that went down to Miami and watched the premiere all together down there. They're not even allowing that to happen anymore. And if, they are, and if they're doing it, they have to do it privately and not put anything out on Instagram where producers will see that a group of women mm-hmm. are hanging out together, which is totally different. Like – 
yeah. they they are cracking down on it now. I don't understand why. I don't. Is it I, is it because that's a spoiler that like oh these ones are friends? They is, must is make that, it far. Yeah, I mean it could be, but I think they're just knee jerk reaction scared that because of what happened with Dale Moss, they're like we have to really control the social media. But in the parasocial game, it's like it's not just the people in the contemporary season that stretches all the way back to really like you're looking at Andy Dorfman, some of the old school, not old school players, but like some of the prior era players who are in the million club or Caitlin Bristow, for example, had an incredible parasocial year and she wasn't yeah. even on any show. She was a guest judge on listen to your heart for one episode, but what she was doing parasocially was mind blowing. And she's now scratching at the door of the 2 million club. So well, dancing with the stars. Yeah. That was a sure, huge sure. part of it. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, we can cover at this point all these other players who are still extremely relevant in the parasocial world, even if they're not on the contemporary season. That game is like bigger and broader and deeper and stretches back. You're talking about like Ashley A. Kennedy. We're looking at Deanie Babies, Kaylin Miller Keys. And of course, we're looking at all the contemporary players from the last season of Bachelorette, but there's just so many other players to talk about. And the field gets so big that like the people who are kind of cutting through that clutter are really doing impressive stuff. Joe Park mm-hmm. in recent months has been doing incredible parasocial plays where he's talking about the COVID vaccine. He's getting the COVID vaccine on video and walking <laughs> us through what his side effects may or may not be. It's incredible to watch some of this stuff. Joe you know? Park is carving out this niche for himself where I believe he is the Dr. Fauci of Bachelor Nation. Like <laughs> he is giving Bachelor Nation all of their vaccine news. <laughs> um you you mentioned the big pool chad which brings us to paradise i mean robert mills has yep. said it chris chris harrison has said it in his interviews when they come to paradise this summer they have four seasons to choose from you've got peter's women you've got clarentatia's men you've got matt's women and then whoever the next bachelorette is her men you can have four seasons to choose from I, there this is going to be an all-star season if i ever if, if we've ever mm-hmm. seen one Depending on who is single, uh, by the time June rolls around, we we, we don't know who will be down there. Um, But you got to think. Who is willing to be single. Yeah, who is willing (laughs) to be single because we know what names they will like on that show. They would love to have a Hannah Ann, uh, a Maddie, uh, a Victoria Mm -hmm. Fuller. I don't know if the show's really made for Maddie, and I think she's still with Michael Porter Jr., but. Um, you know, Victoria Fuller, Kelsey Weir. I mean, if those women are single, they're doing the show. There's no way they wouldn't. Um, and then you get to Tasha's top three guys. Um, I don't, Brendan has said he's kind of iffy on it because he's not really sure that's how he wants to meet someone. But I mean, Ben Smith might as well just make his reservation for Paradise right now. Um, I agree. Ivan is definitely down there. Uh, Bennett, I mean, these guys are in. There's no doubt about yes. it. Hey, Bennett says he won't do it. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing please. hard to get. Yeah. He wants a higher stand placement. He's like, I'll only do it if I can show up in the first five players. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then, I, I mean, going through, I was going to say Peter's women, but I already said, like, Victoria Fuller, Kelsey Weir, and Hannah Ann are single by June. They're going. Like, I don't see yeah. any of them, any of those three turning it down. Um, I agree. Maddie is the only one that I just don't know if this show is for her. Um, and she has and enough she, success parasocially that she may not need it. She may not feel like it would be beneficial to her. 
in any kind of material way. But don't forget, also, we have to listen to your heart because you have more holes showing up. Well, I think, I, think they might get, I think they might get squeezed just because of we've got four seasons mm-hmm. of our main show. Like, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. I think if Bar- I think if Paradise filmed last summer, they absolutely would have included some of the uh, people from mm-hmm. Listen to Your Heart. But now, I think those people might get squeezed because there's just not going to be enough. Like, is this person really worth putting on there? Is are, are we? Do we really need to waste a spot on someone like Trevor, uh, mm-hmm. who's just going to go on here, has zero interest in actually finding somebody um, when we have four seasons to choose from? I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe they will. Yeah. But um, and the listen to your heart ratings were not good, so no, they people weren't. won't even really know who they are. Yeah, and you've just got bigger, better names out there. Um, you know, from this season, I guess we'll have to see who lasts longest, who makes an impression, all this <laughs> don't stuff. Tell but, us. Yeah, I mean, I only honestly, I don't, I don't have a ton from this season. I know certain storylines here and there that I'll probably release next week. Um, I've got a, a few things but i have not put out the winner i've i have not put out the final four um i think i know things but it's not as solid as in, in the past the the i mean the bubble we shoots. have made final four predictions oh i want to hear them i definitely I have, want to hear them i won't say anything but go ahead yeah don't say anything i have cassandra suarez i have chelsea vaughn i have Sarah Trot, and I have Mary or Mari Pepin. Clues okay. has different ones. Okay, who, who do you have, Jack? I have I have Piper James, also Sarah Trot, also Mary Pepin, and Katie Thurston, who I also think might be our next Bachelorette. We thought Abigail Herringer and Katie Thurston had the Instagrams of possibly our next crown. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Katie Thurston's the uh, TikTok girl, right? Yeah. She's got. Oh the... God, that doesn't sound promising. <laughs> she's the she's the one that's got like a lot of followers and views on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, interesting. Uh, we'll I'll, I'll I'll when I listen to this back, I'll write those down and we'll revisit it at the uh, have oh, you, have you yeah. on at the end of the season Love and to. we'll revisit it to see how close you may or. May not have been. <laughs> They're all my yeah. gone. <laughs> the fact that he doesn't even know who Katie Thurston is does not bode well for our prediction. <laughs> right. no, oh, I knew, I knew, I knew who she was. I just, I the one that mixing up because I knew that there was one girl that goes into the season with a giant. Like when I found out who she was, the things that were told to me about her was she's got a big TikTok following, and that's what I had. Yeah, but I haven't watched any of her TikToks because I think when she left, it was on private or something maybe it wasn't yeah. i don't remember um but uh yeah i mean yeah i don't want to i don't want to say anything uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough not she to 240 she has 240,000 followers on tiktok on tiktok i think she's gonna be huge what are her vi- i haven't looked at it what are her videos like what kind of content is she putting out is she dancing or is she doing like no voiceover like- work of other like the Kardashian stuff. It's more face to camera, kind of like relatable life stuff, like her fucking around in quarantine. She's very funny. She's very charismatic. And I feel like relatable is like the main way I would describe her. She's kind of got a, I feel like she's kind of got a Caitlin Bristow vibe, especially with the 
vibrator limo entrance. <laughs> As uh, Caitlin you know. told a dirty joke on her limo entrance, right? Yeah. yeah. She <laughs> said, you can plow you can plow my field any day. Mm-hmm. Iconic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the vibrator is probably going to top that. Um, but yeah. I, no, yeah it's Katie the 2020 Thurston. version. Yeah. Katie Thurston uh, could be, could be a player. Could be a player this season. <laughs> Could be a player. Oh my god, she's probably a night one girl. God damn it. <laughs> hey, she's not in my top four. Um, <laughs> and then would you say? Do you know that? Well, you know from the just the bio for Abigail Herringer, her story, right? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think people are gonna love her story, and she has this like very good girl look to her. She doesn't have directed camera videos so i don't it's yeah. hard to say when they don't interact with camera but she also had crown, she also had crown qualities in my opinion she could potentially be a bachelorette is that what you call it crown qualities yeah we refer to the bachelor or the bachelorette <laughs> as the crown the person who wins the season is the ring the ring so okay uh i i mean i'm fascinated going into monday um these last two seasons well, with with Claire and Tasha and now Matt's season, I just don't have the episode by episode breakdown anymore, uh, just because you mm-hmm. know, these one location shoots make it a lot tougher. Because non COVID years, all the public dates, it just it helps me just by process of elimination. You know, you see who's on a group date, you're like, okay, well, if these were the group dates and these were the two people that got one on one dates, well then. No one else is because once travel yeah. starts, once travel starts, <laughs> they don't have people. Every everybody's accounted for on dates. So you're like, okay, well, when they're in this city, I know who's left. And then they move on to this city, and I don't see this person there, so I know he's gone, and he got eliminated at the episode before. So, yeah, I mean... Are you frustrated by the lack of spoilers? I mean... Or is it a I'd relief? Like, it's, um, it's less work for me to do. So in that case, it is, but in terms of the response and, and people... Hello? Yeah, you got me? Hello, hello. You got Chad. Yeah. Can you hear me? I think can you hear me? Maybe. Steve, yeah, are you muted? We can hear you now. You got me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Um, with the amount of people that hit me up with, hey, what happens this season? That is astronomical. Like, where are the spoilers? Why haven't we heard this? Mm-hmm. What about this? That gets annoying. Um, but uh, so just to let just to answer those people i would yeah i'd love to have the episode by episode breakdown um but now i just don't put it out until the you know until i can find out which is usually the day of the episode and i just say okay here's what you're going to see tonight but to lay it out all before the season yeah it's been a lot tougher with these with these bubble seasons and like like chad mentioned earlier looks like the bachelorette is going to be filmed in a bubble which is not surprising march march is not a time where you're just going to be able to travel all around domestically and even internationally. So, but I'd say by next September, when the next bachelor starts filming, I, I think that we'll at least get domestic travel would be my guess. I, I That's my guess. Yeah. I think so too. They haven't said anything. Fingers crossed. Yeah. They haven't said anything specifically, but just knowing the way the country is going and vaccines and coming and all this stuff, I would think by September of 2021, they could at least do some domestic travel, you know? Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so yeah. much for coming on. 
I really appreciate it. It was a good talk, a good wrap-up of Tasha and Claire's season, a good start to Matt's season. This should be interesting. I'll have you on at the end of Matt's season. We can go over your final four <laughs> predictions. I can't wait. I'm feeling very nervous about it. Now. I am nervous, okay. too. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. It's always yeah. so fun to talk to you about this stuff. No, Absolutely. no problem. I'm loving your stuff. Keep it coming. Um, you guys, I think, are going to be able to do some good work with what you do and combining with Bachelor Data, uh, I think, is right up your alley uh, with her um, because mm-hmm. she, she's got so many good numbers for you guys to pull from. I know I'm going to reference it a lot this season. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we'll be in touch and uh, enjoy Matt James, bachelor number 26, right? He's 25, 25 or 25? 25. Oh, that's right, because because Claire unless and Tasha were 16. Unless you count Byron Velvick and Jay Overby. <laughs> <laughs> A joke for no one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, very, very few people remember Jay Overby. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway uh <laughs> thanks a lot guys i appreciate it and we'll uh yeah. we'll be in touch great have a good new year you too have a good one thanks so much to chad and lizzie for that i really appreciate it um so much fun talking to them almost two hours i felt like could i could have gone another two hours with them because they've got uh a lot of great insight they're very funny and um you know what happened with chad earlier this week i thought was pretty uncalled for uh, but it's been addressed, and we move on, and they move on, and we go from there. But I really think that uh, they are—they have such a unique perspective on this show that I really, uh, I really love having them on. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, they're going to be on again, uh, probably at the end of this season, so we could uh, one go over their final four, and two just talk about Matt's season in general. And if it lived up to any certain expectations, it is kind of weird that this is the first time in I think around twenty-five seasons where the lead is not from a previous season. But it's not like he was picked out of obscurity either. There are people that we... It's like we know who Matt James is as a person. Like, we could identify him. But going into this season, we don't know anything about him. We've never met his family on a previous season. We've never seen how he talks on a date, how he acts on a date. That's all the new stuff, and that's what's going to be interesting to see if it failed miserably uh, by the production team to choose somebody who's never been on a previous season or if it kind of is refreshing. We won't know until it starts airing. So that'll be interesting to watch out for this season. I know I'm certainly looking at that. But uh, thanks to Chad and Lizzie again for for coming on. Now, uh, coming up next, uh, Marie Bass, Evan Bass's ex-wife. She contacted me yesterday morning and said, Steve, I'm really not thrilled with what I'm seeing online right now in regards to Evan and Carly's breakup. I'd like to say a few things. Had her on. So here we go. Uh, here is Marie Bass. Okay, let's bring her in. Um, her name is Marie Bass. She is the ex-wife of Evan Bass. Marie, thanks uh, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know that um, you had um, reached out to me. You and I have been in contact for the last couple of years on and off. Uh, you know, we'll hit each other up, talk about stuff going on in Bachelor Nation or, or whatnot. And, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, you have reached out, you reached out to me and said, look, I, I really want to kind of come on and talk about things that are going on. Cause as we know, uh, this week, Evan and, and Carly had decided to split. Um, there's more to it. And I know that you want to, yes. to get that out, but before we just jump into stuff like that, I need to just kind of give people a background of you and Evan. I don't sure. know how many people know anything. So talk about your relationship with Evan. How long were you guys 
together? How long were you married? How'd you meet? <laughs> when did you get divorced? All that stuff. It, we um, actually met on a blind date. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we met in March and got married in August. <laughs> so it was very, very quick. Okay. Um, yes. And, um, and that was 2004. Wow. So a long time ago. I was going to say that sounds so long ago. And it is. <laughs> six, it really does. 16 years ago. Um, okay. Yeah. So you, you married yeah. in 2004. Mm -hmm. um, you have three boys with Evan. Um, yes. What are their ages and names? Our oldest is Nate, and um, he is 19 and a half. And Evan adopted um, Nathan. We When we met, Nate was two years old, and I was a single mom. Um, and Evan adopted him as soon as we got married, which was amazing. Um, and then two weeks after our honeymoon, I got pregnant with our second, <laughs> which okay. was crazy. So I, I was pregnant for our whole first year of marriage. And um, and then we waited a couple. Actually, we waited three years and had our third one. So the second one is probably then he's 16 then roughly. Right. Right. So so Liam is 15 and a half. 15 and a half. Um, right. Right. They're all summer babies. So. OK. Yep. Yeah. So you guys, and then you guys were married for how long? Nine years. Okay, so you got divorced in 2015. Probably. It, well, 13. 13 yeah. Sorry, 2013. Mm -hmm. Probably wasn't um, easy uh, becoming a single mom with three boys. Exactly. Um, and you don't need to go into details, but when the divorce happened, was it an easy breakup to where it was able to... Um, you know, divvy up the kids in terms of visitation and stuff like that, custody, or was there something there yeah. that was, it was tough? No, you know, it, it, it really was smooth. I, I am so grateful for that because I have a lot of friends that, you know, are going through it or went through it and theirs was not the case. Um, Evan and I, um, it was a very mutual decision, um, to get the divorce and, and really once we were divorced, we actually got along so much better. Um, and I feel like we really co-parented well. Um, so, you know, obviously nobody wants to get divorced. It is the worst thing. And I, I hate divorce. It's so sad, um, for everybody and our kids have been affected and we do our best to really love them well and, um, make them feel as secure as they can in a, um, you know, divorced household, but. Um, so it, it was in as smooth as, as, as it could be probably. Okay. Um, yeah. And then how, yeah. when, from the time it, the divorce happened till now has, has custody roughly been the same? How has it been? Is it every other weekend? Does he get, we, the, how does it work? We have 50, 50, okay. um, we do week on and week off. So it's a total even timeshare, which is really great. Um, the boys love being with their dad and they love being with me and it's just, it's perfect. And we only live five minutes from each other. So, um, that's a really wonderful thing. And of course our oldest drives, so he helps out and, um, it's, yeah, that it works. So when you found out Evan was going on a show called the bachelorette, did he tell you, <laughs> did, I'm, I'm assuming he had to give you a heads up because obviously you had yes. to take care of the kids, but had you watched the show? What were your thoughts on this? I have to be honest with you. I have never seen it. Okay. <laughs> um, I could not watch it. It was, that would, that would have been a little bit too hard for me. Um, 
And so I chose not to, and you know, that's, that's okay. That's what was best for me. Um, I did have a few scenes sent to me by friends that said, you really need to see this, you know, when she went off on him and called him all of those names and was just really, really nasty about him. I saw that. Um, and sadly my children did as well. Um, oh, you're not, you're but, now, you're, now you're jumping into Bachelor in Paradise. I was actually just talking about Bachelor. Oh, sorry. I skipped ahead. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, the first one, JoJo, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, JoJo. Yes, no, I, I, I actually ha- have not seen any of that one at all. Um, But, yeah, when he told me he was going on, uh, I kind of laughed. I was like, that's hilarious. And he's like, no, no, I, I really am. And I was like, what? You really are. And um, at first it was kind of like, oh, this is funny. And then I was kind of like, I don't know about this, you know. This this could be bad. <laughs> um. And I, I worried about it. And I did ask him, I did end up asking him not to do it um, before, before he left, but he, um, he really wanted to do it. And he really felt like it, it was just what he needed to do. And those were really his words. He was like, Marie, I, I really need to do this. Like for myself, I just, I need to do it. And so off he went. Did he ever tell you how he got cast? Like some people are like, Oh, I showed up to a, I filled out an application online. I just can't imagine. Usually yeah, with men, some, it's like someone nominates him. They did. Yeah. He had um, some friends from our church that um, nominated him. Okay. And yeah. So after Bachelorette, yeah. he ends up going on Bachelor in Paradise. Right, right, right. And then that's where he had met Carly and everybody that watched mm-hmm. it saw how their relationship started. It wasn't like this was hidden. It was well known out there that Carly was not love at first sight with Evan. It was that's in right. Fact, yeah. In fact, it was the opposite. She was saying the opposite. some, mm-hmm. some mean things about him, but then uh, according to her, you know, he grew on her. He, she, mm-hmm. was it, he had gone to the hospital and she felt sad. And she realized when he went, got, had gone to the hospital during paradise that um, she really felt something for him, whatever the case, but there's still all the quotes out there that you could easily pull up on YouTube that show she was almost making fun of him um, and was yeah. almost creeped out by him. Um, yeah, yeah. When you've seen those clips and your kids have seen those clips, what what is mm-hmm. the reaction? My first, I, I was just so mad. I mean, I was, I was livid. Um, I just couldn't believe, because at this point, when I saw that, I already knew that they were together. Yeah. So, so I... I said, I called him immediately and I was like, you are not going to marry this girl. Really? You're going to, I mean, tell me after what she said about you on national television, you're going to marry this girl. Um, and so I was very upset. I, I just, and, and I was very, very disappointed that he allowed our boys to watch. Of course, he didn't know that she said all of that about him That's until he watched it. So my boys, he had these like parties every week where he would have friends over and they would watch the show and my boys would go cause he wanted them to see it and it's his choice. So he wanted them to see it and they had to watch that. Um, and it was just, so when he still to this day, it makes me mad. <laughs> so, so when he watched it and you saw the clips and you know, clearly they were watching it, but we already knew what the results were that they had, um, Right, they were together, yeah. They had gotten together and they had gotten engaged at the end of filming, but they're watching back the first episodes together. And you see Carly in a one-on-one interview saying these things about him. 
so what did he say when you said, Evan, what, what was his reaction to seeing that? You know, he was really upset. I could tell. Um, but he didn't want to talk about his upsetness. <laughs> I mean, he, he just, he kind of just said, I don't, Marie, I don't want to talk about it. I need to get through this and deal with this on my own side. And I just don't want to talk about it. So I dropped it. I mean, that was, you know, he didn't need me going off on him when the whole world was kind of like, what, you know, I didn't need to add, add to that. So, um, I mean, I remember back, I mean, I think you and I first came in contact post bachelorette before even paradise took place. Cause yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, I'd have to go back and look at our text conversations, but I'm almost positive. I was the one who told you, Hey, by the way, Evan got engaged yeah. at the end of this. Thing. You were, yeah. <laughs> you were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember giving you a heads up and you were like, what? yeah, you did. And I'm what? grateful. Yeah. And, and I know. Right. And you, had, and you hadn't watched the show. You had, certainly hadn't seen Chris soul season. You had, so you had no idea who Carly was or anything about her. No, no idea. And I just kind of thought at that point, wow, like, I guess he found love, you know, like I had no feelings either way at that point. My, my negative feelings didn't come until I saw how she spoke about him. And then, you know, I was very open-minded before that. (laughs) So I'm just, just to throw it out there, when you talk about your relationship with Evan, like when he went on this show and went on Jojo season and then found love on paradise, are you jealous at this point? Are you mad? Or were you still in love with Evan? Where was your relationship with Evan when he went to do these shows? Um, I don't know that I would say jealous or mad. I was concerned that he was making the wrong decision because it was so fast because we got married so fast and it was not a good decision. Um, I mean, we were married. What is that? Four months after meeting. Um, And we rushed it and we went through a lot as a couple because we didn't know each other. And um, that was married, you know, and with kids already. And it just was just so much. And I thought, oh, no, he's going to do this again. Mm. Um, And that and that was I I was just I was just concerned. Um, Our relationship before he met Carly was the probably the best in my opinion co-parenting relationship you could have we went on vacations together i mean we had just gone to florida together with the kids before he went on the show for a week um and we did holidays together um i babysat for him while he would go on dates and he would do the same for me we were just um i don't know i felt like that was probably the best that we've been Okay. Um, and, and then all of that went away very quickly when he when he was with her. Okay, so after Bachelor in Paradise, he comes home and it has to mm-hmm. air it has to air. He obviously can't publicly say that he's with her, but so the finale airs and they are now an official couple together, even though everyone knew everyone had right, spoilers right. knew. Yeah. So how did your relationship um things change because now he was now living with Carly. I'm assuming they were living together right after paradise because they were an engaged couple. Yeah. How did, yeah, how did that dynamic been, yeah. work with you and the kids and him and Carly now that he has an, a, a fiance? It was really strange. Um, it, it was not what I expected. I genuinely expected to kind of blend her into the family and have a mature adult co-parenting type relationship with her. Um, but I think 
what ruined that was after she said those mean things about him, I, I kind of popped off multiple times. I got very defensive of Evan. Um, even though we weren't married, he is the father of my children. Yes, we have had a lot of crap that we've been through and we're, you know, but still he was the father of my children. And I was like, she is not going to get away with speaking like that um, about him publicly. That is just disgusting. And so I was very much, um, I was very verbal about my feelings about that. And I think it, I don't know if it, I, I think it just kind of made Evan push me at arm's length away from, from, well, he, that, kind of, he has to side with his fiance in that, right? He does. Yeah. Exactly. And and even though I'm technically standing up for him, um, she is or was still his fiance. Exactly. Like you're saying. And he had to kind of draw in. Yeah. He, he had to put a boundary up yeah. is what he had to do. And that's totally understandable. Um, and so, you know, things changed. I wonder looking back if I hadn't have gone so hardcore in his defense, if things would have been different i wonder um when you say when, but, no, when but you say know. you popped off was this publicly mm-hmm. or was this to her yes yes it was publicly no never to her what, um, what did you I, oh, I guess i should pull it up of what you said publicly about I, her at the time i, don't I remember. said i think i said um that she was had no class and no character because of what she said on national television and that he shouldn't marry her um, I said that publicly um, on social media, I think, and um, I, I I had some anger moments <laughs> where I just was like, this is absolutely crazy. This can't happen. She is a train wreck is what I thought she was. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm a redhead, and so <laughs> I definitely have my redhead moments where I um, get just, I don't know, you know, well, you know. I, I think it was also during, <laughs> I mean, you also popped off on Evan too. To I honest. did. I did. I did. You called him a deadbeat. Yeah, you you called was, him a deadbeat dad. I did. I did because I think I was so pissed off that he left for so long and then came back and wanted thing and wanted it felt like he really wanted the boys to be integrated into his new life with no respect for me as their mother. Um, he just started making decisions without me. And that really upset me because we for so long had been making decisions together as their parents. Um, so right or wrong in that, um, it is what it is. And I've apologized to Evan yeah, um, many times actually for that. And, um, it's all good now, but yeah, I had my moment of just being like, this is bullshit. Just, I mean, just, you know, so. Yeah, I do. I, I do somewhat remember that. And I also remember you apologizing on an Instagram story as well, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. to, I can't remember if you apologized to, I think you apologized to Carly. I'm pretty sure you apologized to Carly. Um, yeah. Or was maybe it was just Evan overall. So I think it probably Evan overall. Okay, so we're at a point now where they're now a, a couple. Like you said, he kind of had to draw the line. That's his fiance. He's not going to side with his ex wife right. in a battle with right. his fiance. So yeah, when he does this, how did it change? How often did you see Carly? Did you ever 
Did you guys ever talk, hang out, have a wine no. night together or anything? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> okay. Um, no, no, no. It. Um, we, we never did. I don't think she could ever get over me calling her out on the way she behaved on national television. Um, mm. And, you know, but we, we would... I would see her at, at school functions and soccer games. Um, all three of our boys are athletes. And so we have a lot of sports stuff. And, and in the very beginning, she would come to those. Um, and so, you know, I, we, we, I've been around her plenty of times. But no, it was never never like a, a stepmom, mom, co-parenting, anything like that. So they, their first, their daughter was Isabella two and a half years old. Mm -hmm. And so once Bella was born, obviously did the amount of time the boys spent with him increase, decrease, or just stayed the same. It was still one week on one week off. Stayed the same. Yeah. Evan did a great job juggling that. Yeah. And the boys absolutely adore Bella. She is the cutest, sweetest little thing in the whole world. Mm -hmm. And the more she could be around, the better for them. They really, really love her. So when Carly and Evan were together, it was the boys would go over and spend the weekend at Carly and Evan's place with obviously Bella. That would yeah. be the mm-hmm. week. So they'd have a week with them. And right. then right. Um, things changed, I know. And, you know, look, I, you know, you and I, like I said, we've spoken for a couple of years now. And um, you were the one that told me um, last November, you're like, uh, you came to me and had mentioned things aren't going great with Evan and Carly. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you told me, Steve, mm-hmm, Steve, mm-hmm. They, they haven't been together. They haven't lived together since at the least that summer. That's right. And I really think, yeah, it was early. It had to, it was earlier than that. I think it was spring, but yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, when she, she left him when she wasn't even showing with Charlie yet. Okay. So that's early on, yeah. And I found this out. I even have the the text conversation. It was on November fifth of twenty nineteen that you told me this, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I can't put this out there because she's a week from being due with their second yeah, child. Exactly. She, do- she doesn't need yeah, this no headache. Way. But in my mm-hmm. head, I was thinking, okay, well, if if Carly has moved out while she was pregnant, there obviously is you know something pretty serious wrong. If you're going to wait, if you're gonna, if you're not even going to wait till after you are deliver you're during the middle of a pregnancy going to leave your husband and you know move out move into separate places it's got to be fairly serious that things aren't working out but yeah you told me a week before I didn't put it out there I said I've heard some things in bachelor nation I know that other people in bachelor nation knew because I reached out at that time and just kind of poked around and said hey have you heard anything and people were like oh yeah no they haven't been together for a while yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And so I yeah. was like, wow, I'm just surprised that nobody reported this. But, you know, my thinking was she'll deliver the baby next week. And within a month or two, they'll probably announce, OK, we're done. Um, that, right, you know, right. that, that she had moved out. Little did I know it would last another year. I know. And so they so basically they just announced last week that they are separated. Mm-hmm. But they haven't lived together since at least June of 2019 at least June but I I want to say it was February of 19 that she left and moved to Pegram yeah so she moved to Pegram and he lives in Franklin Mm mm-hmm yep 
so I don't see I don't follow either of them on Instagram. But mm-hmm. but over the years, people have over the last year or so, people have always said, "Oh, I'm what's going on with Evan and Carly? They don't seem to post a lot together every time they do, mm-hmm. but he's over here and I never see him at her play." And so what exactly mm-hmm. was I don't I don't know. What was going on yeah. that you know yeah. of? You know, I, I, I don't know. And I don't want to speak for, you know, with like intimate details or anything, because I don't know. Um, what I know is that um, that Evan was really sad when she left and really didn't didn't want their relationship to end. I mean, he as far as I know, he adored her. Um, he told me when they met or when he got back from the show that she was one of the coolest people he's ever met in his life. Um, he pretty much worshiped the ground she walked on. And, um, I think that he really tried to save it. Um, it seemed that way just as close as I am to the situation. It seemed that way. Um, he was very protective over their privacy of the situation and, um, And it just seemed like he was really heartbroken and really, really, really didn't want to end. And that is why I believe that it did, that they have been separated for almost two years um, is because he didn't want it to end. So as far as you know, they've been working on things for the last year and a half or was he, Mm -hmm. so they never moved back in together, but clearly they had, they had, they had Bella and then last November, Charlie comes along and they have Bella and Charlie, but they're. So ever since they've had Charlie, they've never lived together? Or... Correct. Correct. Yes. Has this been what they've been promoting on Instagram or no? I don't know. You know, I don't I don't follow them on Instagram either. Um, I'm not a huge social media. I, I, I really try to just not. Yeah. But um, but my friends and my, my kids will have said things, you know, like, man, I can't believe they're trying to portray that they're together. It's just mind blowing. And um, I didn't have an answer for it. Mm. I really just didn't have an answer for it. I, I, the only thing that I can believe is that, you know, they, he, Evan just didn't want it to end and he was going to do anything he could to try to make it work. So then do um, we know why last week just happened to be, I guess the final straw where they publicly like they haven't no, lived together for a year and a half. So no. why are they announcing now? We're separated. I don't know. I don't know. I really, okay. I, I can't speak to that. Yeah. I'm not sure on that. And I think that that's probably private to them anyway. Um, yeah. I'm not, I, I'm really not sure why they picked this time. I think it just, they knew that it was just the end and for however they knew that they knew it. And that was it. So what's the biggest thing I guess to take out of all of this for you? What, I know that you wanted to come on and say like, Hey, is it, this isn't what it seems or like, why, why? Cause I could go to like, I would, yeah. I'd love to talk to Evan about this, but I don't think that he's going to talk no. to me about this. I'm guessing. Cause this is like, cause I know people no. will ask me, Steve, why, why did, why did you have Marie on? Why don't you just go to Evan? But mm-hmm. he, you know, I, Evan is really heartbroken, like really, really heartbroken. And he, he's probably not going to talk about it publicly for a really long time. Um, he's a, he's an internal processor and just, I don't see him 
blasting it or anything. He's just not that way. And that is one thing I appreciate about him. Um, but he, he is, he's really heartbroken and, and I hope that, you know, people aren't, you know, nasty and mean to them during this process because people don't understand the full story. They don't know both sides. They, they're, she's very vocal on social media. So they hear her side, um, and they hear how, you know, whatever they're hearing. Um, but I, I saw an Instagram post on Christmas Day where she talked about being lonely. Um, right. Well, she's been alone for two years. And so I just that kind of stuff just kind of turns my stomach a little bit because she's she chose to be lonely because she left him. Um, and that is her choice. So, yeah, it is lonely. And you know what? She can feel lonely. We all, you know. She can feel lonely and she can voice it that she's lonely and that's great. And she needs to work through that. And I hope she heals and I hope, you know, but she did choose this. And I know for a fact, Evan didn't want it. Um, so I don't think it's fair to, I don't think it's fair for her to broadcast that. Oh, woe is me because she's been pretty happy for the past two years and they haven't been together. Um, so and he hasn't been he's been sad he's been sad he is not okay with this and it has broken his heart is he getting sure. I, I haven't looked at the social media response i know i've gotten a plenty of emails about asking me why and i like i said i i don't know and um i don't think it's I, we don't need to it's, it's their place to tell people and they probably even won't you know, why did a divorce happen? I mean, look, if you're a public couple, yeah, you, if, you choo- if you choose yeah. to go on the show and you choose to get engaged regardless, yes. and then you choose to put your life out there and promote product on Instagram yep, and, th- and, yep. then, and then that relationship ends, I'm sorry, you're going to have people asking. You don't necessarily yeah, have to respond yeah. and you don't owe That's them right. anything, but you can't get mad at them for asking. Be- exactly. Because exactly. they followed your journey this whole time. And I know people feel invested, yeah. you know? And they, they want, they feel like they're part of the relationship and I get that. I mean, they want to know details and I don't know. Evan's a very private person. I don't, I mean, oddly enough, I know he went on a re- reality show, but, um, he really is a private person in general and I don't see him. I don't see him talking about this anytime soon. I really don't. I, that would, that would surprise me. Um, so you're, sure. so, so you're just kind of sticking up for the father of your children, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In in um, what in what way would you say is the biggest thing that you're trying to stick up for him against? Like it's people that are blame are, are people blaming Evan or something? You know, I I've heard that um people might be maybe verbally attacking him a little bit on social media because she's so lonely and it just I don't know, maybe it seems like he uh-huh. just dropped you know his wife and the mother of his children but that's just not the case this man adored her and i know that he tried really really hard and it wasn't good enough yeah i no, like i said i don't know anything it. about their relationship other than what you've yeah. told me which was mm-hmm. last november you told me they haven't been together for living together for six months so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and that yeah. obviously continued through um the uh, the birth of of Charlie last November and right, finally right. came to a 
I had for whatever reason this this past couple of weeks or uh, this past this last week when the announcement was officially made that they were separated. But um, right, right. In your mind, is there any? I don't know. Is there any chance for reconciliation between these two, or you don't know? I don't know. I I mean, hey, crazier things have happened. Um, so I I don't want to say no. Um, but I don't know. I really I'm not in I'm not in there. I don't know enough about the details of what they go through. And I don't want to know. And that's something that we've been pretty good about keeping boundaried up is we don't talk about that kind of stuff with each other. I don't talk about my relationship. He doesn't talk about his, um, but you never know. I don't know. It's just being a young mom is really hard. I, I know that. And um, there's a lot of hormonal changes that happens when you have babies and there's just a lot of, change and it's hard it is hard and it affects the relationship I don't know that that did affect their relationship but I know it affected he and 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 mine his and mine um yeah so who knows in a, in a couple of years I don't know I don't know I I just I know that I want to see him happy and I want to see him peaceful um and that's it so whatever whatever that takes um, because he he pours his life into being a dad for all five of those kids, and it's been hard being pulled back and forth. And I think now he can really focus on the the kids and um, really just love on love on the kids and 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 heal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is not a fun time for anybody. Um, no. I, you know, I don't know how. Your boys took to Carly. Uh, they're obviously going to be seeing her a lot less. I don't know if that's, mm-hmm. you know, something that's going to disappoint them or whatever the case may be. Um, it's just hard for everybody involved because there's there's it children is. involved. Um, Bella and Charlie, are, I think, are young enough to where obviously they're going to grow up in a, in a split parent household, but they're young enough now to where they won't as, um, I, I guess... What am I looking for here? It'll um, be all they know. It'll be all. It'll be all they know. Too. It's not yeah. like they're yeah. fully formed, developed yet as seven or eight year olds. And it's like, oh, mommy and daddy are splitting up. Like it'll be I all know. they. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, so. At this point, yeah, it's it's tough for everybody involved. Um, I, I thank you for at least coming on and explaining um, a couple things that um, maybe were a little bit confusing. To the yeah, audience. And yeah. if and if Evan's yeah. getting shit for this, uh, for people giving him shit for, oh, why are you making Carly lonely? Like, again, you kind of need the full scope. You here. do. You really do. You really do. And yep. I and trust me, I could have easily said this myself and said everybody that's blaming Evan. Um, they've been separated for 18 months minimum. They haven't, right, li- they haven't right. lived together for 18 months. But just coming right. from me and, oh, you're just a bachelor gossip guy and you want to spread – no, I figured, you know, when you contacted me, I'm like, you know what? Why don't you come on and yeah, and, yeah, and I'm talk glad, about I'm this. glad I could. Yeah, yeah. And I, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope you don't get shit for this because it's more or less. <laughs> I mean, I, there's always going to be people out there that are. Gonna I know they're always they're always. Just, I don't read any of it, so <laughs> it's okay. I turn. I can't look at the comments. It's all right. I don't. I don't care. I can can handle it. Okay, it's fine. So I appreciate <laughs> I, I appreciate you at least coming on. And kind of explaining yeah. this, breaking it down and talking. I don't think anybody knew anything about Evan's relationship with you and his sons and how it all worked. And 
Um, I'm glad you we just laid it all out there for everybody. And uh, and Marie, thanks again uh, for doing yeah, this. I you're appreciate so it. welcome. Thank you. You got it. And uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Thank you to Marie uh, for coming on, sharing that. Um, I know that, uh, you know, putting X's on is always a dicey situation uh, because there is just always going to be this side of, well, there's two sides to every story. And, yeah, there is. But I feel like the first side and Carly's side has already been expressed by her social media activity post-breakup. And as you heard, I mean, I'd love to have Evan on. It just doesn't sound like he wants to talk about this at all. Um, and I think Carly, actually, Carly, uh, I think Marie is, you know, sticking up for the father of her children and she has every right to, and I really appreciate her coming on and, and giving her thoughts. And, you know, when I said that thing last November and said, I heard something that I'm surprised hasn't gotten out in bachelor nation. This is what I was talking about that they had, Carly had moved out at least six months before they were due with, um, with Charlie. And I knew other people in Bachelor Nation knew. I'd spoke to, spoken to a few of them who knew. And I just thought it was going to get out. And then when it didn't, and I was like, okay, well, clearly I'm not going to say anything a week before she's due with her second child. She doesn't need that headache on her to deal with that. I just assumed that uh, a couple months, you know, passed by after they have the baby, they're settled in, that they would announce uh, it. And they never did. And they just... You know, you didn't announce until this past week. So, I mean, that's I, – I don't know why, but, you know, um, I think if I would have just come out and said that, I, I think you needed to hear it from somebody else, and um, it's why I never reported it. I just didn't – I didn't feel it was uh, – I didn't need to at that time. And I was just shocked that just months and months passed that – it just never got out. I think I think people I don't follow like I said, I don't follow Evan and Carly online. But I had I've had people throughout the last year to eighteen months say, Hey, what's the deal with Evan and Carly's relationship? It seems kind of weird. I don't seem to spend a lot of time together. I've had it it's all been sent to me. And I've just never responded to it. I've just never said and maybe I have responded, but I was just like, eh, I don't know. I just played dumb. But um you know, I think the pe- people that did follow it closely could see something was up. And, um, yeah, so it just, Marie wanted to clear the air uh, about what is, where Evan stands on all this. Uh, sounds like he's really uh, broken up about it. And, um, you know, it's it's not easy for anyone. Obviously, this wasn't news. We're not breaking news. That It's not like the kids are finding out for the first time. They're very well aware that when they've gone to see their dad for the last X amount of times, it's not like he was living with Carly. So uh, I I think, um, you know, Marie wanted to come on and I figured I'd let her uh, tell her side. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed Game of Roses, Chad and Lizzie uh, before that. So I appreciate that. Um, Last podcast of 2020. It's great. Um, You know, look, we we all want to get out of 2020. I get it. But let's just also keep in mind that when the clock strikes midnight tonight, wherever time zone you may be in, it doesn't mean all of a sudden things are going to be great on January 1st, 2021. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but let's let's be realistic as a country and understand it's going to still take some time. The first six months of 2021 are probably going to be similar 
Uh, slowly but surely, though, there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you listen to the Emily O'Brien podcast last week, yeah, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that's good. We didn't have a lot of light in 2020. Now we do, um, and all we can do is do our best and adhere to protocols put out by the CDC and and just do our best because it's not all of a sudden at the at the flip at the stroke of midnight tonight all of a sudden everything's going to change because it's not we're still in a very bad place uh with uh infection rates being up and just setting records daily so i i just hope people understand and and can be realistic about it i'm just there's hope but be a realist that it's not all just going to change at the stroke of midnight tonight so everyone enjoy your New Year's, and like they all say in the office when they leave on uh, New Year's Eve, see you next year, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated as we head into year five of this podcast. So for Lizzie Pace, for Chad Colchin, for Marie Bass, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you for another great year of podcasts and look forward to 2021 and another great year of podcasts as well. So thank you all, everybody. I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week. See you.